The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome in, welcome in, Arrowhead Attic, day four at the Super Bowl. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam. Verderam, we got a special, awesome stream for everybody today. It's going to be a long one. We're going to be sitting here for about, what, three and a half hours nonstop? Yeah. Settle in. <laughs> if, if anybody's got to go to the bathroom, uh, well, it could be chaos. You know, Lord of the Rings, Arrowhead Attic podcast. It's, it's, all, run it's all the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we, again, we got such a great lineup for you guys today. Do us a favor, do us a solid right off the top. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. Let's get as many Chiefs fans in here. Screw it. Let's get as many football fans yeah. in here as we can because we got such a great lineup today. It's not just Chiefs content. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Joining us here, I, I just heard he's over talking to uh, one of those uh, third-rate networks, you know, CBS, NBC, something like that. Trash. Uh, but Deion Sanders, when he gets done with, uh, with those guys, he's going to be coming over here to uh, the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. That's right. So he's not Joe Montana. Yeah, he's not Joe Montana, but <laughs> don't tell him that. I, I, I don't think he'll appreciate that. that. Um, so, what was your like? How, did you? Was Dion a guy you really enjoyed watching play? Oh yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah it was amazing. I, I mean, I think in my lifetime he's the best corner I've ever seen. Now, I think he'd be the first one to tell you he wasn't the best tackler of, of all time, <laughs> but he didn't have tackling. But nobody ever caught the ball. Right. Right. So. I'm very curious. I want to ask him about you. Know, he went from the 94 Niners to the 95 Cowboys. Yeah. Like, which seems better? Who you got? I'm curious to ask him that question. It's going to be an interesting answer. Our producer, Hunter, is a big 49ers fan. I think I know what he thinks. Um, I always remember Dion. I can't remember which. It was when he was, when he was, I think it was when he was with the Cowboys when he was counting his rings in the Super Bowl yeah. in front yeah. of the camera. Uh, just a big, you know, larger-than-life personality. But in recent years, he's now Coach Prime. That, that's right. I mean, he went... Look, he went from being down in the HBCUs and doing a great job at Jackson State, and now he's taken over the University of Colorado, where if you saw his intro video, and I don't know if you have, it was, <laughs> we coming. Yeah, we coming. We, we coming. <laughs> we coming. That, was, yeah. that was the message for yeah. about 15, which I got to say, if you look at his recruiting class, they might be. Yeah. Because yeah. He's, uh, he's loaded. Think about it if you're a college kid, and you got all these like stodgy old dudes coming in, like, hey, listen, right, we're right. going to go. Oh, I'm going to get you to the next level again. And then Deion Sanders walks in the house. He's like, listen, man, 
Yeah. Give me the next level. Yeah. I, I believe him. I'll, th- I'll take his word for it over everybody else's. Yeah, man. I mean, can you imagine being a, a, a you know, a DB or a, or a kick returner and seeing Deion Sanders walk in the right. room, start telling you what's what? Yeah. Like, I mean, I would just, I would, I'd be terrified at but all. Going time. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it was like, it was like yesterday when we were, uh, when we were talking to Clay Harbor about going and playing for, um, with Tom Brady and playing for, for Bill Belichick and how intimidating that is for, would have been for a young guy. I can't even imagine. And, that, and we're talking about an NFL player who's, yes. who's out there with a bunch of stars. Now you're going in and you're running up against these, these types of people. Yeah, Deion Sanders, absolutely awesome. Uh, what else we got coming up here? So after Dion, we got Carson Palmer stopping by. That's so right. Some more quarterback talk. I got a spicy question for him, Verderam. He said on a podcast with his brother, the other day that he thinks Joe Burrow is better than Patrick Mahomes. He thinks, he thinks he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Just a complete think? disaster of an opinion. Yeah. And uh, one that needs to be fleshed out immediately. we got to find out why. And I, I want to know well, what did he... you see Dan Olof... no, I'm not trying to flame Dan Olofsky, yeah. Did you see he said he, he's not sure if Joe Montana is a top five quarterback? I did not see that. He said on Dan Patrick's show? To, like this week? Like I'm pretty sure yesterday. Does he mean like he's not a top five quarterback right now? Yeah. <laughs> like, man, man ever? Yeah. I'm not sure if he's... Uh, like, and I... I gotta be honest. We gotta get Dan over here. I, I, I've got, I, we, I've got I, a couple I, things to I ask him about. I genuinely just want to like, can you explain the rationale that goes into that? Yeah. Also, we sh- what we should have done was had Dan and Joe sit down. Oh, oh yeah, and that would have like, been good. Dan, I want you to explain to Joe Montana he's not a top five quarterback. Right, right. I'd like to yeah. hear this. Yeah. And then just see what Joe Montana's response yeah. to that would be. I'm yeah. here for all of it. By the way, uh, I, I want to shout out. It's not anything we did, but Wright Thompson, who's one of my favorite authors, yes. he's incredible. He wrote a huge feature called Joe Montana Was Here yep. on ESPN. You should check it out. Yeah. It, is a mu- it is awesome. It's a must-read. I honestly think he's the best sports writer in the country. Yeah. And uh, he, did, he did it justice, man. He did a I, great job. I read that article. Uh, I got up yesterday morning, was yeah. just doing, doing some extra prep for Joe, wanted to see what he'd been saying recently. It's a long read, as Thompson's stuff are, but, like, it's fantastic. And if you were a fan of Joe Montana and you watched him play – this is like a peek behind behind the curtain yeah, yeah, yeah. into who he is as a as a human being as a man uh it's really fascinating what i found really interesting about the article was it talked a lot about everybody that they when they when he talked to ronnie lott and when he talked was like ronnie ronnie right. lott would tear up talking about the kind of person joe is and joe's heart yeah um which is but he's also like really competitive you know he 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 cares a lot he some guys will get up there, right, and I think they'll say, like, yeah, you know, I don't whether I'm the GOAT or not. But Joe Montana wants to be, I think, thought of as the best. Yeah. And he wants to be respected. And there's a lot in there about how he wasn't always respected throughout the course of his career. Oh, he had a lot of injuries. And I think a lot of times, you know, it was like, well, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the most physical guy. And, yeah. You know, if he played now with the protections quarterbacks have now, we talked about this yesterday, I think it would be just insane. I, yeah. I can't even imagine, um, you know, what, what he would do at this point. By the way uh, – we have a super chat from Mike in Sweden again. Okay. Thank you so much, dude. And he says thanks so much for all you do. Go Chiefs. You guys are, you guys are the best. I can't believe the amount of people who are in here. Like every single stream we've done. Yeah. For the entire. First of all, I don't know if your people work or not. If you do, God bless you. Yep. I, you're getting you're getting away with murder. It's great. You keep stealing from the employer. Yeah, um, we appreciate it. And yep. Mike, Mike, we're gonna have to give Mike an executive producer credit pretty soon kidding. here. I mean, he's he's funding the whole show. So um, <laughs> it's been, been amazing. Yeah, um, but you know, back to that article on Montana. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. just, it's 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 such a good read, and um, I really, it you don't 
like as, as two people in the sports media industry who both started out as writers, yep. like, we, we, we don't write as much as maybe we used to in the early days. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I just, it's, it's so great to see a piece like that because unfortunately, everything that gets put on the internet is free. And yep. people aren't paying for content. And it makes content like that really expensive to produce. A piece like that often does not come anywhere close to paying for itself. So shout out to ESPN for funding that piece, allowing him to write it. He had to go and spend time. Like, it's expensive. You've, you've done pieces like this. Yes. You know, where you've got to go and you've got to embed yourself with, with a player. And it's hours and hours of time and hotels and yep. cars and all this stuff. And it's and it, it's it's a treat to get to read something like that um, and really get a look at uh, the humanity behind some of these guys, which I know you're you're fond of writing about that topic yep. as well. Yeah, I am. Uh, it, you know what? I, I think what people don't realize, or at least a lot of people don't realize, when you write pieces like that, if you're doing a good job, seventy percent of your notes don't even make it into the piece. Right. Like, I can't tell you. You know, there's so many quotes they don't get in there. Um, because it doesn't fit the the structure of the story, right? It doesn't right, fit the right. flow. I've written pieces that are 6,000 words where I've debated for like a half an hour over two words or yeah. one sentence. And I mean, you've edited some of my stuff. So yeah, you've yeah. Done that. the where, Billy Bean piece we worked right, on we together. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's there's so much that goes into every single word. Should I use it? Should to be able to craft a story like that, get the access, and then be able to tell the story. It's one thing to get it, yeah. to tell it. It's a totally different thing. And uh, Wright Thompson really did it justice, did a hell of a job. And I don't know who his editor or editors were on that piece, but uh, they did a great job as well. You know, and as you mentioned, uh, I remember working with you on the Billy Bean piece, and it, we just had to, you've got so much, you get this great lump of clay. You do all this work, you get all of this material, and you've got to chisel it out and turn it into a sculpture. Yeah. And you need help with that. Um, it's difficult, yeah, you, you know, and so... Um, Be because you're, as a writer, you're married to every word that you write. Sure. You feel like every single thing's important, and then maybe, you know what, you get that extra set of eyes because, you know what, man, that one sentence, it's unnecessary, or maybe it's kind of redundant, right. or maybe we should move it down three graphs. And, you know, look, we've talked. I mean, I'd like to think I'm a little bit more mellow than I was eight years ago <laughs> when I first started working here. A little bit. But, like, bit. you know, you are defensive. With, you're like, no, I'm not yeah. taking that. But then you have to trust the people who are reading it, trust your, your coworkers who are just trying to make it better. Right. I would imagine when Wright Thompson, he pretty much handed it in and went, I'm good. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> goes, All right, yeah. That well, sounds great. When you see a piece of that size, I can't even imagine how much material he had that they had to comb through. No. I mean, these things yeah. can take up to a year, it's, and sometimes longer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, he, 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 he's probably about halfway to a book. Uh, so <laughs> I have his book. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is also awesome, by the way. It's just a comp compilation of all the best stuff he's ever done. Yeah. Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam, and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch. Now, let's be real. I didn't have to use it. 
I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, while we're on the topic, I actually just tweeted this out. People want to read it. So in July, I did a story where I spoke to Doug Williams, Shaq Harris, and Warren Moon about the rise of black quarterbacks in the NFL and what a journey it's been. That's and if, right. And if you're not familiar with it, I think really genuinely you should be just for historical purposes and nothing else. Um, I just tweeted it back out. If people want to read it, they can read it. Maybe you checked it out already if you haven't. It's right at the top of my Twitter feed. Um, I think it resonates now more than ever because this yep. is the first Super Bowl where you have two black quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I can tell you from talking to those guys, the pride that they have just in the rise of a Patrick Mahomes and a guy yeah. like a Jalen Hurts. You know, I mean, Warren Moon had to play five years in the Canadian Football League just to get a shot at being a quarterback. Right, right. You know, I, Shaq Harris had to wait years and years and years, made the Pro Bowl, got hurt the next year, was never really given a shot to compete for his job again. Yeah. You know, and I think, and they talked a lot as well about Marlon Briscoe, who's the first black quarterback ever, and, and he played in the American Football League right. for the Broncos. And it was tough because during the writing of that story, I'd reached out to him, I'd left a voicemail, called him again. He died a few days later. Oh, and yet there's a section in the story where Doug, Warren, and Shaq all talk about him. And so I really, look, it's one of the things that I'm probably the proudest of. I really enjoyed writing it. And so if you want to check it out, go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a terrific piece. I remember I, it was it was right around then that we actually had Jason Reed from ESPN on the on the show as well. We read a, a book, Rise yes. of the Black Quarterback, which is also a good read. Many of those guys are featured in it as well. You should, I mean, if you're interested in this topic, read Verderam's article. Grab yep. Jason's book. Absolutely. Goes even deeper, more in depth. Yep. Um, and some people, you know, I know people get sometimes they get annoyed about hearing about first. So, well, well, why, you know, in when if you if you, history matters. Yeah, history, history matters, matters. And if you read about what a lot of people of what what all these guys went through in the early days to help blaze a trail for guys like Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts to come in. Um, it's important. It's important. History matters, and and context is 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 very important to how we got here today. So great stuff. Um, and, I mean, like we're gonna get to, we're gonna get to talk to Carson Palmer a little bit later, like we mentioned. That's gonna be really great. After Carson, we got Adam Vinatieri. That's right. Coming by. He knows a little bit something about he knows, Super Bowls. He, he knows a little bit something about, and he's going to know something about the Hall of Fame uh, uh, pretty yeah. soon. Yes, he will. Um, after Adam Vinatieri, Adam Thielen's going to drop by. So back-to-back Adams. That's right. Um, we've actually got both of the, the, the two of the top uh, Minnesota Vikings wide receivers coming by. We've got Adam Thielen, and after he's done, Justin Jefferson's going to drop yep. by. And we got Mike Golick Sr. Yeah. And then uh, some guy named Sterling Holmes. Yeah, Sterling. And then we got, uh, we got Tony Richardson to wrap things up. Yeah, yeah. 
We, it's, like, it's like Tony. I, I like to be like Tony. Unless I'm going to line up like a three technique. Right. And I, I want you to we'll, we'll line the tables up in a way where it's like a running lane. Yeah. And, and you know what? Just hit me as hard as you can. And if he knocks me into next month, that's fine. I get a little workman's comp call today. Yeah. And if I don't get knocked into next month, it's a huge win. Well, when you get to brag about you know getting knocked out by T. Rex, right. right? That's right. I mean, that's Wouldn't pretty be the first cool. Guy. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Who? If you could get run over by any. <laughs> Any Chiefs, like, fullback, running back, offensive lineman. Christian Okoye. Christian Okoye. If you're going to do it, yeah. then do it. Yeah. Right? Like, by the way, there are no fullbacks, like, true, like, modern-day fullbacks in the Hall of Fame. Right. And I'm not saying Tony Richardson should be in the Hall of Fame. Three-time Pro Bowl. wasn't all-decades player. But, like, I feel like guys that are fullbacks, special teams players, they're so unbelievably underappreciated. Right. Like, people argue about Steve Tasker, right? Everybody agrees he's the greatest gunner of all time in the NFL. Like, well, should he be a, should he be a Hall of Famer? He's the best ever at his, at his position. position right? Why, like, I don't understand. And you can be like, well, it's only eight plays a game. Okay, well, he's the best. Yeah. He is the best at what he does. The man should, like, I'm sorry, should be in the Hall of Fame. It's yeah. stupid. I'd rather have him in the Hall of Fame than some guy who's the 50th best player at his position, which, by the way, is a hell of an accomplishment, too. Sure. But, like, Steve Tasker was a ridiculous – first of all, the guy played 13 years, seven-time Pro Bowler. Like, I don't care that he wasn't good on offense. He was a seven-time – by the way, Kansas native, Steve Tasker. Um, I, I just – yeah, I think I think there are guys that are so underappreciated. Like, T. Rich, is, he was one of the best players in the league at his position. For a long time. For over a decade. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Hall, like of the Hall of Fame – Later, we're going to have, when, when Mike Golick Sr. comes back, he's in the Broadcast Hall of Fame. The, uh, they went in as Mike and Mike. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I want to ask him, how do we get into the, because look, me and you, we ain't going to Canton, right? How do we get in the Broadcast Hall of Fame? It's not going nuts. Fame? we got time. Yeah. Uh, oh, how do we get in with a ticket? Right, yeah. We're getting in with a ticket. You don't think, you don't think we've got a shot if we keep this up? It's going to be tough. Yeah. Be We're going to yeah. need a lot more from you people getting yeah. in the chat. Yeah. <laughs> you need more YouTube subscribers. Let's go. Get us into the Broadcast Hall of Fame. Um, it's just an absolutely in- incredible lineup today. I don't know how, like, by the time we get to Tony Richardson, I'm going to be dead on my feet. Yeah. But yeah. I'll, be, I'll be able to get jacked up for that one. That When Sterling comes on, maybe we just let him talk. We take a nap. You go to that's the bathroom. Fine. Yeah. yeah. That, that's completely yeah. fine. Um, this is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. We are waiting on Deion Sanders for as long as Deion Sanders wants us to wait. This is fair. Um, <laughs> um, but shout out to everybody. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit that thumbs up button. Let's get as many Chiefs and football fans in here as possible. Interesting comment here from our guy, uh, uh, D'Amico, D'Amico, I think, uh, Spence in the chat. Got a strange feeling Leo Chanel has a big game Sunday night. Because all the running. You think uh, that's mean, you think that's on the table? It's in the cards? Maybe. Maybe. It's not crazy. I mean, I I think the Chiefs are just going to be very aggressive in this game. Yeah. They do. I think they're going to come downhill, and they're going to say, look, you can throw it over the top and beat us with the safety's high. Do it. But everybody else, we're just going to we're going to create one-on-ones. We're not going to be afraid of it. We're going to play some man. We're going to play some, you know, some, some too high. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I think the Chiefs are going to have a pretty good plan in this game. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I also appreciate this. Harold uh, Country is a hell of a guy and, and, and does work uh, in KC covering uh, covering the Chiefs for Fox, among other things he covers. So he asked Chris Jones what Patrick Mahomes means to him. And he said, everything. 
asked if he wanted to expand on it, he said everything. <laughs> so Chris Jones just go. covered it. By the way, must be feeling a little bit better. He's back uh, doing some media availability. That's great. Frank Clark doing me. Frank Clark, couple media availabilities. Always, always kind of terrified when, when, when old Frank gets the uh, microphone. He was great. He's been He's been really understated yeah. all week. He's like a caged lion. <laughs> he talked about on the podium on opening night his experience uh, being in Super Bowls before. Oh, here we As go. We got, we got, got Deion Deion Why don't you handle the intro here, Verter? Sure. Sure. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Welcome in. Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, Pro Football Hall of Famer. How you doing, guys? Doing good. good How are you, you doing? Good. Where are you guys from? Based out of Chicago. Okay. So, yeah. okay. A lot warmer here. Yes, it is. <laughs> when did you get into town? Um, last night. Okay. It is kind of cold here, though. It's actually colder here than it is in Boulder. Really? Yes, it is. Yeah, okay. yeah. You're going to watch it at night. So, so how exciting, first of all, First of all, before we even get into it, you're working with Oikos. True. Love Oikos. Why you're working with Oikos and what's going on? It strives to support all the strengths that make us unstoppable. You have a strength, I have a strength, he has a strength, and that strength has been consistent in my life for some time, and it makes us unstoppable. I have a company now that I partner with to understand who we are, what we are, and how we are, and they brought my family aboard because we all about competition. Like we compete. I'm pretty sure siblings and families compete. And we have a commercial for the second year in a row. It's a Super Bowl spot that we're competing. My mama, my sister, my, my, both my sons and my daughter. And I absolutely love it. I can't wait to the country season. Awesome. Yeah. So now you take over the job in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Big job. You move on from Jackson State. Yes. How excited are you for the challenge of going into bigger conference? Crazy competition, Very a lot of recruiting wars, all that. I mean, how, yeah, all my life been competition. We just talked about competition. Everything is a competition, and when you got up and, and put on your outfit, when somebody walked and saw you, it's a competition. They judging the way you dress, the way you walk, the way you talk, your ratings, and all that. Yeah. Life is about competition, yeah. and I love to win, and I love to be dominant in it. So this is a, a just another chapter that I can't wait to open. I'm excited immensely about what we're going to do at Colorado. What surprised you the most uh, going from being a player to becoming a coach? Um, understanding the different personalities and getting to know the different attributes of all the kids. Yeah. I'm a different type of coach. I don't just coach this or coach that. I try to get to know my entire team, including the walk-ons, the, um, the support staff and all. Everybody that touches those kids, I need to touch myself. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you about your playing days. You won two Super Bowls back-to-back, mm -hmm. -back, two different teams, two mm -hmm. iconic teams. Right. Which team was the better team? The 94 Niners? The 94 Niners. 94 Niners. Yeah, that team was loaded. I believe we might have finished first or second offensively and defensively that year. Um, you had an offensive MVP and a defensive MVP. I mean, how many times did that happen? So yeah. that team was, was loaded. You had a coaching staff that was unbelievable. Both DCs and OCs, uh, both OC and DC went on to be head coaches. Uh, great staff, great group of guys. And I think from that team, it's several Hall of Famers oh, yeah. from that team alone. Yeah. I, I got to ask to build on that. You, know, you guys played Dallas that year, mm -hmm. won in Candlestick. Mm -hmm. You go to the Super Bowl down in Miami, you're playing the Chargers. You're almost a three-touchdown favorite in the game. You should have been. What, was it hard to focus that? Like, were you, no, like, no. I mean, you go down there, you're this, like, this we what you Dallas. Do. I mean, was it, was it hard? How is it hard for a grown man to focus on what he's going to check to do? That don't even, you know, that, when people say stuff like that, that that's what you get paid to do. It's just like saying, is it hard for you to focus right now? 
Yeah. <laughs> I just you beat the Cowboys. It's got no. almost like the Super Bowl. No. Then you're like, okay, now no, it's no. now it's the Chargers. No, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't a letdown. You you got to put the exclamation mark at the end of the sentence. Oh, you did it. Yeah, we tried. We tried. <laughs> now we covered the AFC Championship game. Okay. And there was a lot of trash talk going into that game. A lot of it coming from the Bengals side. Who was the biggest trash talker you encountered in your career? Nobody talked trash to me. <laughs> <laughs> You know, nobody, nobody ain't that crazy. Nobody ain't that yeah. risque. Yeah. And I didn't talk. You know, contrary to proper belief, I never talked on the field. I talked to you guys after the game, <laughs> sure. but I never talked about my opponent. I never down, downed anyone I ever played against in my life, and I never was ignorant to anyone I ever played against in my life. I love the challenge of it. Yeah. Mm. Was there ever a receiver for you? Mm-hmm. You're like, this guy. Got it. No doubt, toughest covers, Jerry Rice. Yeah, Jerry. Jerry, Mike Irvin. Yeah. yeah. What, what was it? Now, Rice, obviously, I mean, yeah. without parallel, no question. But wasn't wasn't a guy who was 6'5", wasn't a guy, but obviously mm. an incredible route runner. What was it about him to you that was the who, biggest? Jerry? With Jerry. What was the biggest challenge Jerry of, ran, of his game? Jerry was in shape. If I'm bumping and running you and get my hands on you every play, it's kind of tough. If, you don't, if you're not in condition, I'm going to wear you down, probably by the second, third quarter. And you could just take away the deep ball. That's not going to happen. You're not going to outrun me. Right. So now it's got to be a thinking man's game. And what you got to understand about those eras is that not only was the receiver a potential Hall of Famer, and they went on to be, but the quarterbacks. Yeah. Throwing him the darn ball was a Hall of Famer. So that made it extra hard. So now you may have the quarterback that's great, not the receiver, or you may have the receiver great, not the quarterback. Rarely do you see both on the field at the same time. Um, kind of going back to your coaching career, I'm just interested as a leader myself and our organization. What like what's the most important thing for a leader to do to create change? You come into a program, you want to help these kids win on the kind of level yeah. that you've won. When you identify what needs to be done, do it. Yeah. Don't talk about it. Don't procrastinate about it. Get it done. Yeah. And don't wait for somebody else to do it. Go do it. And what needs to be said, say it. How do you feel about with college football now the shift of these NIL deals? I mean, obviously, look, there's always been stuff behind it. Now it's just in front of the scenes. The the curtains have been raised. There's a difference. It's NIL and there's collectives. You talk NILs is is a beautiful package, but how many guys have NILs? NILs mean I'm going to pay you for your name, image, and likeness. How is your name, image, and likeness, how does that have worth when you're coming out of high school? Who's going to go buy a product because your name, image, they don't know you. Okay, so that's not name, image, and likeness. Name, image, and likeness should be reserved for players that have established themselves. That's what it should be. Now, the collectives are totally different. That's just the boosters and the money guys putting a pot of money together and someone delegating where it goes. That's totally different. That's what happened to the NCAA, which I, I, I don't think that was supposed to happen. They didn't safeguard against that. Yeah. So that's, now we are where we are. But I want these guys, I don't want them to be hungry or starving and have uh, desperate needs when a university is prospering as well. So I can understand. But I don't want you to be in college rich. I want you to be in college hungry for the next level. So I want those guys to focus on the NFL, not the NILs. Speaking of image, uh, when was the earliest you remember being called primetime? High school. I High dropped school. 36 one night and had a couple dunks back to back. And my homie looked at me and said, you primetime. I said, you're right. I love it. I love it. You moonlight a little bit in the NFL as a receiver. You're catching a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. yeah. If you'd been, if you just, what, 
playing his receiver? Both ways. Somebody should say, you know, whether it's George Seifert or, mm-hmm. or Switzer. They should have let me play off in, in, in San Francisco. You know what? In San Francisco, you know, I never even turned kicks. I, yeah. yeah. I actually, I you know why? Season. Why? Because of my heart. Now let me explain. See, I got you, but let me explain. Because yeah, everybody yeah. said. You got the mic. Go nuts. The return man for the San Francisco 49ers at that time was Dexter Carter. Mm-hmm. Dexter Carter went where? In Florida State. He was my guy. So I would have felt real bad coming to take his job. So I wanted him to shine. But just think, I didn't re- return, I'm going to leave one kick in a whole season. <laughs> That's Yeah. You made a football so, time in that. Uh, so did the coaches come to you and say, we want you to return kicks, and you said no? No, they never even mentioned it. Huh. Never even mentioned it. Somebody said something about it. Yeah. Uh, I think special team coach. But I said, no, he got it. He got it. That's cr- what I was going to ask you though. Yeah. Is if you had been, if they had just said, "Hey, look, you whatever you want, you play both ways, do whatever you want to mm-hmm. do," could you've been a thousand yard receiver? Of course, <laughs> ain't nobody could cover me but me. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> speaking speak, speak, speaking of that, I'm upset with the Hall of Fame again. Like I always am. How can Devin Hester not be a Hall of Famer? I think it's a great. This question. is We're the most idiotic yeah. thing I've ever seen in my life. Devin Hester changed the darn game. Devin Hester made it possible that no one went to use the bathroom. On fourth downs. They yeah. held it until the offense got out there. Yeah. Okay? Because of Devin Hester. Yeah. And you mean to tell me for the second consecutive year, he is not a Hall of Famer? Who is picking this stuff? Yeah, he great, changed the game. It's a great question. Because we were just talking before he sat down about how so many guys who are special teams players, maybe not the sexiest positions in the world, mm-hmm. They seem to be so marginalized when it comes down to this stuff. Well, we're Devin Hester's different. Anything. Yes. And Hester is a great example because right. you're right. He actually was, I mean, he was putting points on the board. He changed, he changed the, the field game. At the, at the least. A Hall of Famer, the, the definition to me, what I was told as a kid growing up, it's a guy that changed the game. This is a guy that you can deal with, that you had the game plan that took over the game, changed the game no matter what. You knew unequivocally what he was going to do during that game that you paid your ticket or you turned on your, t- turned on your TV to go watch. And he did that. So how in the world do you pick some of these guys and Devin Hester is not in the Hall of Fame? Do you – I mean, I know you've talked about the fact you feel like mm-hmm. there should be like levels to the Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, there should be a level. Okay. But we should pick the level. Like the saying. upper room, yeah. the other guys who pick it, oh, they done a good job. They're good. Okay, now that's it for you. <laughs> the players should pick the upper room. Okay. Yeah. How, how many would you, if it's up to you, put thought in this, how many guys do you put in the upper room? How exclusive of a club is that for you? It's, a, it's an exclusive club. It's like a billionaire club. You got to earn that. Yeah. Nobody giving you that. You got to earn that. And I don't know how many spots they would have, but it's a very exclusive club. And when we look at each other, we identify and we say, yeah, You're that's in. right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you deserve that. Yeah. Yeah. Does it does it bother you the players don't have more of a shave who gets in in the first place? No, because some players are biased as well as as reporters. But it, it does not reporters go by statistics and all that stuff. You should go by what your body of work. Your body of work and how you impacted the game. Is there a guy from your era, maybe even a couple of guys, who you look at and go, How is that dude not in the hall? Yeah. Who, Sterling Sharp. Let's start with Sterling Sharp. Mm, great player. Yeah. Injuries. Yeah. Cut him short. Still. Still. Oh, it's phenomenal. He, was, he was unbelievable. He, he was unbelievable. Um, let's just go with that that guy right there, number yeah. one. Okay. Well, we know you got to get out of here. We really appreciate you stopping Thank by. You. Real quick before you go, I'm sure everyone's asking you who you got on Sunday. Um, I'm going with the Eagles. Okay. I just think they have a lot of momentum. 
Um, they're playing their butts off. Defensively, they're stout. I've seen a lot of holes defensively with KC. Um, the receivers going down was problematic. They just got to figure out a way to stop Kelsey, and they, and, and they should have this game. Okay. Well, hey. Appreciate you guys, yeah. man. Coach Prime, thanks, thanks so much. Thank you. Deion Sanders, Hall of Fame. You guys keep up the good work, guys. Yeah, hey, thanks work a lot. Take care. Deion Sanders, who would be in the upper room, by the way, if there wasn't an upper room yeah. for the Hall of Fame? The upper room yeah, might, right. might, be na- <laughs> might be named after. That's right. <laughs> um, that was that was fantastic. That uh, yeah. that lived up to all expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, uh, my uh, probably my favorite part was uh, can't nobody cover me but me. Yeah, got <laughs> man's got a point. Yeah, he does. <laughs> hilarious. Um, yeah, I was hoping to get a, a question in there about to, to hear what he thought about Mahomes, but it was really interesting hearing him talk about the guys that that we were just talking about that aren't in the Hall of Fame that should be being in the best of their position. Uh, imagine being Devin Hester sitting at home yep. right now. You're watching the Arrowhead Attic podcast, yep. which I know he is. Of course. And here in prime time, stumping for you to be in the Hall of Fame. These things, that's correct. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it, it's, we were talking about it. I mean, it's a yeah. fair point. Like, if you're the best ever at what you do, that kind of means you should be in the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that seems reasonable. Um, so now, listen, we're going... One uh, one great to another. We went from Deion Sanders. Now we got yeah. Car- Carson Palmer joining us. How's it going? Good. How are you guys? Doing well. Doing awesome. well. Hanging out. Did you get into town? I uh, got in last night. Okay. Yeah. So now, where, where are you based out of uh, Ormway for you? I live in Idaho. Okay. In the mountains in the middle of nowhere, Idaho. How nice. <laughs> so a little solitude and now not so much. Yeah. It's great, you know, to, to leave. Uh, I think it was like 13 degrees when I left and then touched down in phoenix and i think it was like 73 degrees uh, it felt really good really good on the aches and pains i bet, yeah, I bet. Uh, so first of all who are you working with right now and uh why are you working with i'm working with level select cbd uh it's a company i've been working with for literally since i retired a, a buddy of mine todd davis started it and told me a little bit about it and i said what is this cbd stuff i had aches i had pains i had knee surgeries elbow surgeries thumbs all kinds of surgeries um and I was at that point, I was done playing and I was looking for something other than having another surgery. And I tried it and I was hooked and I was like, how can I help? What can I do? And so Level Select CBD um, is something I use on a daily basis. I use it every night. They, they make gummies that help you sleep. Um, but really my, my knee and elbow are things that are constant um, issues with me. And I'm mm. coaching my kids football and basketball teams and running around. I've got four kids and it's something that helps me feel like I'm not 43 and have had eight surgeries. It, it helps me feel like, you know, a younger dad that can play and, and chase and, and, and play catch with my kids. Um, and right now, if you log on to levelselectcbd.com and in the promo code, type in Carson 50, everything on the website is 50% off with that promo code Carson 50. So definitely get on there and check it out. For sure. Is that is your knee still bothering? Is that the one that you tore your ACL in that playoff? Game? Twice, yeah. I've, yeah. I've, so, I've blown yeah. my left knee out twice. It still bugs me, um, but with level select, it's something that, that you know during the day, I can, like I said, I can still ski, I can still run around and chase my kids, and at night it, it aches and pains, especially in colder weather. And so, especially when it's colder, I use it every night on my left knee, and it's it is you, you gotta you gotta try it to believe it. It is an instant gratification. It feels fantastic. 
Um, and then I go and chase my kids again the next day, and I need to put on uh, put on level select CBD at night again. So it's something I use on a consistent basis. You had all the injuries, especially early in your career, and then you had a really incredible second act here in Arizona. How much did it mean to you? I saw just the other day that you you they induct you were the 18th player inducted into their Ring of Honor. Is that correct? I don't know how many. I didn't know there was 18. Is there 18? It, I think when what, what I read was that you were eight, you were number 18. Oh, uh, okay. When you were inducted, I think in okay. 2019, 2020. Yeah. 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 Amazing honor. Um, you know, I, I couldn't have loved my time playing here in Arizona anymore. It's such a great fan base. That stadium you'll see on Sunday yeah. is gorgeous. Um, it's electric. The Bird Gang comes strong every Sunday. They're loud. They're intense. They love their Cardinals. Um, and I absolutely love my time and cherished it here in Arizona. Yeah. A little, little bit of different weather you get to play in. Oh, man, it was great. Yeah. It was always 70 <laughs> degrees. If it was a little warmer, like I remember a th couple Thursday night games, a couple Monday night games, they would open up the roof and you'd see the stars. Um, it's just a spectacular venue. Yeah. Now, you obviously had a great career at USC. You get into the league, number one pick, you go to the Bengals, and the Bengals are just trying to kind of get out of being in a position to have the number one overall pick, mm -hmm. and certainly you helped them with that. They've now turned the corner again here with Joe Burrow making the AFC Championship game the last years, Super Bowl once. What do you see from them going forward now? Is they're going to have to start making some tougher decisions financially. They're going to have to start paying some guys. That's been an issue at times with that franchise. Do you think they will pay guys this Absolutely. Time? I mean, they have the last couple of years. I thought the, the one thing I was looking for after last Super Bowl is what they were going to do in free agency. Mm -hmm. Were they going to sit on their hands like they had forever yep. and just – hope that the offensive line gets better um, or are they going to go out and attack free they absolutely hammered free agents they went out and replaced 60 percent of their offensive line they went out and got you know a new tackle a new guard a new center um, and and that kind of commitment is exactly what joe burrow was looking for what are these guys going to do i just got tacked i just got sacked the most times in the league two years in a row their Achilles Hill in that Super Bowl was their offensive line. And so Joe's getting ready to come up on a new deal and a new contract. And he wanted to see, is, the, is this organization committed? I think the organization absolutely showed that they are committed to winning. They're committed to, to getting back to the Super Bowl, not just happy with the fact that they got to a Super Bowl. So I, I expect them to, to see them um, continue to spend in free agency. They've got to deal with T. Higgins. They've got Jamar coming up at some point that they're going to have to figure out with how Joe's new contract, that, that works. But yeah. um, they absolutely seem very committed to winning, and it's great to see. And that AFC Championship game, obviously, was a great game. Unfortunate penalty at the end. What did you think the Chiefs did differently to get by Cincinnati in that game? Well, I, I thought, um, you know, for one, you know, Patrick Mahomes played really maturely. You know, he, he really did a good job with the issues he had. I mean, you look at the ankle issue, that's a huge problem if yeah. you're a quarterback. Yeah. You look at the receiver position that was, they were falling like flies. As that game went on, they were losing another receiver. And then they had guys... You know that that Patrick probably wasn't real comfortable with throwing the ball. There, you know, Juju's backup was only getting you know a third of the throws from Patrick all season long in practice, and so Patrick now had a guy in that in his mint, you know, in the back of his mind, he's going, "Man, I have very few reps with this guy. I have so many more reps with the other starters that are also hurt." So, for for a younger guy, I mean, Pat's still somewhat young for a younger guy to play so maturely and find ways. 
you know, at the end to not have to use his feet until that last play, but to find ways. He kept checking the ball down, really, really making mature decisions. Not quite sure. He knew Juju would have done this on this route. He's got, you know, a back in at receiver, so he, or he a backup at receiver. He didn't quite want to take a shot, so he maturely made a, a mature decision and checked the ball down or figured out a way to get the ball to somebody else. So I just think um, you're seeing a phenomenal athlete that has more arm than anybody else in the league, that has more magic than anybody else in the league, really mature over these last couple of years. He's really matured his game and not just tried to squeeze one in because he could and fit one in that might get tipped and, and end up being a pick. He's really making really mature decisions with the ball, checking it down when he should and not taking chances and putting his team potentially in a bad situation. Is there a player from when you played, it's just not long ago, that reminds you of Mahomes or maybe that Mahomes reminds you of you? You know what? There's a lot of similarities in the way those guys play, maybe even from the way they see the field or the way they play athletically. Uh, is there anybody who, who comes to mind for you? Nobody. Nobody. No, nobody throws the ball off platform. And, uh, you, know, off, you know, the platform is when you're standing, you know, in, in a controlled situation and you can put both feet in the ground, 50 percent on your left leg, 50 percent on your right, and really step into a throw. He very rarely does that. And the reason a lot of guys don't do that is they can't get the velocity on the ball from that position. Well, Patrick can get the velocity on the ball from any position. And so you see him do that time and time again. He rarely, you rarely watch him and go, oh man, he's so fundamentally sound, you know? Yeah. Where you watch Brady and you're like, man, Brady is so fundamentally sound. Yep. He's very unfundamentally sound, but as unfundamentally sound as he is, he's for himself, he's very fundamentally sound for himself in those positions because he does it all the time. He doesn't need to be on platform. And then you see what he did, you know, what he's done with his legs up until the ankle injury and, you know, running through tackles and running past guys and juking. Like, I just don't think I've seen a quarterback that can do everything the way that Patrick Mahomes does everything. Well, that's a lot of praise for Mahomes, but I was listening to your brother's podcast the other day, and you said uh, on that podcast that you thought Joe Burrow was the best quarterback in the NFL. Tell us a little bit about what you think he does a little bit better than Mahomes and why you said that. Totally different. I mean, th those two quarterbacks couldn't be further um, from each other as far as how they play the game. Um, you know, going back to Joe's, you know, his final year at LSU, in the biggest moments, in the biggest games, he consistently throws perfect throws. Um, and you saw it a little bit last week, and, and they got away with it because the 49ers were hurt. But, I mean, there was guys wide open that, that Jalen Hurts couldn't quite put the ball on. There was a couple overthrows. There was some, some poor poor throws in that game. You just don't ever say that with Joe. He is always in control. He, he, he's played like a mature 10-year vet from year one. Um, he doesn't have the magic maybe that Patrick Mahomes has where he can spin around and just flick one in the end zone for a touchdown pass. Yeah. But super athletic. His pocket presence is the best in the league. I don't think that's even questionable. I'd love to argue with somebody with that. Um, he doesn't have the velocity on the ball. He doesn't have all the different fun arm angles. He doesn't have the no looks. He just plays within his own game. So he, Patrick Mahomes is more fun to watch. There's more stuff on Instagram with him doing amazing things that they're slowing down. You're realizing, oh, he was looking over here and threw it over here. That stuff doesn't excite me. What excites me is seeing a guy that's getting hit in the mouth time and time again get back up and continuously deliver the ball accurately downfield in big moments. And I think we've seen Joe Burrow do that week in, week out his entire career. Yeah, I think your point's well taken. I thought in the AFC Championship game, that's what kind of made the game so interesting to me was because of that ankle, Mahomes had to play a little bit differently than he normally does. Mm -hmm. He had to kind of stand. And then the Bengals, 
they're so good defensively. They're so underrated defensively because Adam Rumo gives you so many looks, mm-hmm. so many different coverages. But the one guy I wanted to talk about with you was Josh Allen because mm-hmm. Allen, MVP front runner coming into the into the year, most books had him as the favorite. Played very well at the beginning, fell off through some picks toward the end. Then he really struggled against Adam Romo in that playoff game. When you look at Josh Allen, obviously you see a great talent. But what do you see with him that maybe, if you agree with this, he's a half step below a Burrow and a Mahomes in terms of his maturation to get to that that final level? Yeah, I think you you hit it on the head. Maturation. maturation. Okay. You know, he, he hasn't played as maturely as, as Burrow has. Burrow, like I said, year one, he looked like he was in his ninth. Year three, he looks like he's in his 15th. You can't say that about Josh. You, what you can say about Josh is he's a physical specimen. He's tough. He's nasty. He's impossible to defend until somebody does stop him like the Bengals did. Um, but, I mean, he, he's, he's bigger and faster than every linebacker that's trying to run him down from behind. He's got more velocity on the ball than anybody in the league other, other than Mahomes. Um, but the maturity of not taking this shot, not taking off and running and taking that hit, um, those are things that need to continually grow. And they will, because at the end of the day, Josh you know, is from, I don't know what division Wyoming's in, but yeah. they ain't the SEC. He doesn't have SEC reps. He doesn't have big 12 reps. He has whatever division University of Wyoming is in until he got to the league. And so you're, I, I think the sky and, and the ceiling is still so high for Josh. He is going to continuously get better and better and better. And part of that maturation process with Josh is he doesn't need to run so much. You can run on the call runs. You don't need to take all those hits. He's just so tough. He just wants to win so bad that there is a mature decision to be made at some point for him when he goes, man, I can go off and get that first down on third and eight and run over that linebacker and possibly have an AC shoulder sprain and miss next week. Or I can get through my progression and get to my fourth read, get the first down and stay on the field and continue to drive the ball. So it's just a maturity thing with Josh. We're going to continue to see him grow. Now, you threw to a lot of really talented receivers in your career. You played for a really long time. But I wanted to ask you, do or die, you've got to drive, you need to go down there, 98 yards and score. Who do you want your number one receiver to be? If I got 98 yards to go, I want Chad Ochocinco at X. Because he can go 98 in one play, and I can be on the <laughs> sideline drinking Gatorade celebrating the win. There you go. There you go. Let him do all the work. Go I'm curious. Super Bowl 57 is a great matchup. Chiefs and Eagles, a lot of people think two best teams in the league. Which you don't always have the Super Bowl. Sometimes you have these, these matchups. You're like, wow, I can't believe this one team got here. Not the case this year. Who do you like in the game, and, and why do you like them? I like the Chiefs. I, I think the Chiefs win. Um, I like the over in the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs win 31-24, something like that. Um, at the end of the day, they got the best quarterback. And, I, and I, that's not a knock on Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is a really good player. Jalen Hurts has more talent around him. He's got a better offensive line, possibly, you know, a better run game. He's got a better defense. But at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes has been here. This is his third time here. Um, He's been here before. He's performed at a high level. He knows what it's like to lose this. Um, And he's just, he's he's the better quarterback. So I go with the better quarterback in the big game. I wanted to ask you real quick. You played USC. You had a great career there. Went to the NFL. Had a great career there. You enjoy Saturdays or Sundays more? Sundays, Sundays. I like watching college football. I like watching USC. I don't love watching college football. It's just, it's not as, it's not good football. As a, <laughs> at the end as, of the day, as a player, did you like Saturday, Sundays more than Saturdays? 
Uh, no, I liked playing on Saturdays more because it was more pure. Well, most it guys wasn't say a that. job. Most it guys was, will say that. You got the band, you got the student section, your mom, like, <laughs> you know, college football, now now it's not pure anymore. Now everybody's making more in college than, than half the quarterbacks in the league. So, you know, I, I uh, you know, the, the purity of it, the joy of college football is, has tainted a little bit now with the NIL stuff. Um, but no doubt, college football, you only get to play like 10 or 12 games in college. Every one is so important. If you yeah. lose one or two, you're out. In the NFL, you can lose one or two and get the Super Bowl and win it. Right. And you got to play 17 games. So college was so much more important, more intense. And obviously uh, in the league, you know, um, you play a lot more games, so they're not as important. So I'd rather watch on Sundays, um, but I'd rather play on Saturdays. Got it. Just one more question before you go. You played in the AFC, you played in the NFC, played in the AFC West. What was the hardest place for you to go into as a visiting team? Which stadium did you find the most intimidating? You know, I, I think I'd rephrase it because I, I didn't, there wasn't one that I, I, I loved playing in hostile environments. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I look at it differently. I loved going to Seattle. I loved going to Baltimore. I loved going to Pittsburgh. I loved going on the road, and it was really, really loud, and you could make them shut up, yeah. and you could get it really quiet. And so, I, you know, it wasn't that I I, 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 I couldn't wait. I, the first game when I was in Arizona, the first game I looked at on our schedule wasn't Monday Night Football. It wasn't Thursday Night It wasn't our bye week. It was when do we get to go play in Seattle. And thankfully enough, we got to end a lot of years there when it was for the division, and it was just such a great environment. That place is so loud. It's so intense. There's very few any – of you know the very few of your fans it doesn't matter even if you're the cowboys or this the raiders yeah you don't get many seats in that stadium it is all the seahawks and so i loved playing there baltimore was the same baltimore great you know kind of a, a college-like environment they had yeah. the band yeah um you know so i i loved going to baltimore i love the intensity that that crowd brought yeah. um pittsburgh was a, pittsburgh was fantastic as well yeah hey carson thanks so much for joining us really yeah. appreciate it Best yes, luck this week with yeah. uh, Level Select CBD and the promo code Carson50, correct? Got it. That's Carson50, right. levelselectcbd.com. Go ahead, check it out. Carson Palmer. Carson one of the best Palmer, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Really appreciate it, man. Absolutely. And you can follow, Enjoy the week. You can follow Carson on Instagram. He's at, at CarsonPalmer3. And you can get Level Select as well on Instagram at levelselectcbd. That's, it was one of the, my favorite conversations from the weekend yeah, so it was far. Yeah, it was good. Um, you know, Carson's. Uh, he, he he's a he's a very detailed speaker when he's talking about the game and he's talking. Yep. You know, so some folks sit down. Oh yeah, you know, Mahomes, he's the best. Sure, it was really sure. interesting, and I know I know all of you watching out there, maybe didn't like to hear that he thinks <laughs> that that Burrow's better than Mahomes. You may not agree, but his reasoning is sound. Yeah, I mean, right? look, you know, people are gonna have opinions that aren't always now. Do I, do I think Mahomes is the best quarterback? Sure. I'll also say this: Carson Palmer, man, has a little bit of a. Uh, of a one-up on me. Yep. yep. Play, play he, he knows, like the NFL. knows a little bit more I'm, about football, I'm maybe. I don't know. sitting here at a table. <laughs> so, um, you know, fair enough. I'll, yeah. I'll listen to him. But, yes, I think it's I think it's really interesting to hear players' perspectives. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. really interesting to hear guys who, not just, not just players, but his, you know, great players. Yeah. Look, he knows what he's looking at more than I do. If I'm right. sitting there watching a football game, I, I like to think I know a lot about football. I don't know yeah. if Carson Palmer knows about football. Right. Are you kidding right. me? Like, there's not a chance. I could study football for 30 years. I'm not going to yeah. know anything about it compared to him. So, really interesting. 
Um, and uh, yeah, hey, man's living in Idaho, just trying yeah. to trying to get away from society. I know. God well, bless. Him. And these guys, you know, we think of them they're athletes, but in a way they're artists, and they all have their in own ways, style, yeah. right? And and so you know, Carson, kind of a classic pocket passer. I'm sure there's a lot about Joe's game that appeals to him. If we brought somebody in here, you know, like uh, John Elway or Mike Vick, you know, they might talk to you about Patrick Mahomes and be like, I love his pocket mobility. I like the way he moves around, the arm strength, the arm angles. So people value different things. And as we've seen with Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, there's a lot of different ways you can win football games in the NFL. Yep. I'm taking 15 myself. Yeah. I got to go 98 yards. Give me 15 or uh, give me number 19, number 16, Joe Montana. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm i with you. I'm with you. I think right now uh, Mahomes is the best in the NFL. Now, yeah. you know, will he be for the next 10 years? I, I don't know. But right now, I, I would take him. Yeah. I would take him to start any franchise, period, end of story. You know, Mahomes has been challenged in ways, I think, that – Joe Burrow hasn't been yet. Now, that doesn't mean that I think if he loses T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd or something that, you know, he's just right. going to be trash. Right. But how how you respond, like a lot of players come in and they have a good season in the NFL. Yes. And then people get a look at their tendencies. Defenses adjust. And then it's, can that young quarterback adjust to the adjustments, to everybody coming up with different ways to stop them? And we saw Mahomes, it took him, what, four games to, like, kind of get it. He's still... Yep. But he's been he's been so much better this year than he was last year. Second half right. of last year is time right, to right. work on those things. So it's just really fascinating. It's a game of chess, and I think that that's why when we say things on the podcast, like when Bengals fans are like, "Yeah, we're going to be back," and it's like, "Well, you just you know, like you don't know. You don't know that. You don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. These teams change, salary cap issues, injuries. Absolutely. You can't take it for granted. Um, Joshua in the chat says, "Dude hates Arrowhead still to this day." Um, he didn't mention Arrowhead. He was only in. He was in what, uh, Raiders two years. Yeah, he's trying to forget that. Yeah, right. I, probably, I didn't bring that up. He probably he probably had a pe- that piece of his brain yeah, removed in the off season. Pain. Yeah. Um, I so. mean, Cincinnati at that time. Man had a rough golf. Then you go to the Raiders. He must have been so damn happy to get out here to Arizona. Yes. I mean, he just. I can't, I can't, I can't. How many people say that, right? How many people like, thank God I got to the Cardinals. Right. Joshua in the chat says, too much PTSD to even mention it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was not a good time to be, uh, so many people. It's like you go there and you think your career is over. Yes. You know, Randy Moss. Remember when when the Patriots got Randy people Moss? People forget Carson Palmer literally retired to get out of Cincinnati. That's right. That's right. People forget that that happened. That actually, that was a real thing. So Carson Palmer played... Seven years with the Bengals. Man only lasted 24 starts with the Raiders, where he where he went what eight and eight and 16. Yeah. Um, then he got out of there and played some really good years in Arizona, like really good years. Like his first year there, 2014, he's 22 picks, not great. But then he had 35 touchdowns and 11 picks. He's over 4,700 right. yards. Yeah. Like people forget he was a great player at yeah. times in his career. He really, like, look, not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but like three-time Pro Bowler, he had no. a really good career. Yeah, and how many, how many, how many well, guys... Well, like a Tony Romo type. Yeah, yeah, and, and how many guys play that long in their first stop, go somewhere else, and on their third team, right. make that team's ring of honor? Yes. You know, that's, you know? that's why I really wanted to ask him about that question, because I, you know, what a second act. And, and I always admired him in the way that he kept coming back and fighting 
with those yeah. horrible injuries that he had. Which apparently you know? are still bothering him. Though, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, um, but I, I don't, he's probably not the only guy uh, who's dealing with some stuff like that. And the, so we had Jesse Palmer earlier, and I had Carson Palmer. Yeah, you Jesse talked to Palmer Jesse Palmer. was recorded this morning. Yeah, how um, did that go? That was great. Yeah. At one point, man stood up on his chair and uh, was reenacting a, a scene that he dealt with with Sean Payton. Are you serious? Yeah, he stood man, on that chair? Man stood on the chair. I don't know that I would. I would get on one of these It was chairs. aggressive. Yeah. But it was awesome. Uh, he, he was uh, the Giants' backup quarterback for a couple of years, and Sean yeah. Payton was his offense coordinator. So we talked about that. Um, and he, I asked him for a crazy story about Sean Payton, and he said that Sean Payton would be in meeting rooms for so long and in his office for so long, he'd only sleep sometimes for like 20 minutes. And he said the only way he'd be able to stay awake and watch film was if he stood on his chair. Oh, and he my had, God. And he said he would walk in and, like, He'd have a big thing of dip in his mouth. It would be drooling out of his mouth. He'd be staring at the screen. <laughs> he said, he's like, yeah, he was a little intense. He was a little bit different. So uh, that was the story. You, you'll see that. That'll go up on the stack in the box. So you check that out. Make sure you subscribe there. Um, he was a great interview. Yeah. You know, he's a Canadian guy. He was, he was sponsoring Crown Royal. If you're a hockey fan, he said something that's beyond sacrilegious. Yeah. Man, is a, man says he's a fan of the Canadians, the Maple Leafs, and the Senators. That's that's like if you were like, I'm a Chiefs fan, but also the Raiders and the Broncos. Right. Like Canadians fans and Maple Leafs fans hate each other with a yeah. visceral passion. Yeah. So to claim all of Eastern Canada is a hell of a move. It's going to be a, a buzz on social media. By the way, I see our guy Jeff Schwartz over there. I ran how's, how's, Did you talk? Why isn't he coming on? I'll have this to. Uh, I'll have to text him, bother him. You know. He's doing the rounds, just uh, just totally uh, ditching us. You you did a whole podcast with the man for like six months. I actually saw, I was talking to him yesterday. He was like, yeah, yeah we'll get together. He's, uh, he's a great dude. He's hilarious. I'll tell him to come over and bother us. One, one of the great guys, uh, you know, from the league, now as an analyst. My favorite uh, thing for, for uh, on Twitter every Christmas is watching Jeff and his wife yeah. drag the Christmas tree out of the house first thing on Christmas morning. Um, so we got Adam Vinatieri coming up, supposed to be here in a couple of minutes. Um, really excited to talk to him. Boy, talk about kicking in a lot of it's big Carm. games. There's Mark Carmen, our guy, just wandering around. Hey, what are you doing? Come here. Get him up. Yeah. Come here. Grab the microphone. Sit down. All right. hang, what, come hang out. Adam yeah. Vinatieri is going to kick you out pretty what, soon. But what, What's your pick on the game? I, I got uh, the Eagles by eight. All right, I what? feel even better now. Eight? There you go. Eight? Get out of here. I'm glad he doesn't work here anymore. Eight? That's just insulting to Patrick Mahomes. I can't. I, he's 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 usually always on the Chiefs bandwagon, but he's he's gone against. Him. Yeah, yeah. He's gone against him. He doesn't care anymore. We got Adam Vinatieri coming over right now. By the way, so good. We get, we get a real a real personality here. Yeah. Carm. Yeah. Disgrace yeah. to humanity yeah. that he is. Yeah. Um. So. And Jeff says he'll come over as well. Oh, cool. So we're, we're, we're loading up. Yeah, we're loading load up. Them up. So let's uh, say, Adam, what's going on? Yeah. Doing Matt, great. How yeah, are good you? Good to see you guys. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So first things first, you're uh, you're working with DiGiorno. Uh, why don't you tell everybody what you're doing and why you're doing it? Yeah, you know, during the game, if any of the kickers uh, kick a field goal or extra point, doink it off the upright. I'm a, it can still go in, so I'm not cheering for them to not make the kick. Sure, sure. But uh, if they do that, and the fans, if uh, if you go and visit DiGiornoDoinks.com, if there is a doink in the game, uh, free pizza for, for everybody. So for everybody. I gotta love that. Well, as long as you've uh, gone on to DiGiornoDoinks.com and did, you know, signed up, yeah, you're good to go. So you hear that right now, everybody. We're streaming live here. Uh, and thousands of people are watching. That's right. Go to DiGiorno.com, sign up, 
this is the biggest thing that could happen all weekend, I think. you got to hope for, for, for Butker maybe to just slide one in off the... Uh, yeah, absolutely. hopefully it goes absolutely. in. Absolutely. What if absolutely. it's a double doink? I don't think we get double pizza. I think we probably shouldn't look a gift horse in the mouth. We should just take yeah. that pizza and run with it. But, you know, if you want to call in and try to see if you can't get double, let's let's go with it. Let's, <laughs> so let's work it. So you were known, you know, you, you had a few big kicks in your life. Couple, one or two. One or two. One or two. Uh, yeah. Of all the kicks you had, and of course, a couple on Super Bowl, there's a snow game against the Raiders. Which is the kick that means the most to you? Ooh, um, well, I know the one that I'm the most proud of is the one in the snow. I mean, that For sure. that's yeah. the most difficult with the conditions in the situation, and you miss it, you're cleaning out your locker and you're going home. Yeah. Um, there's nothing like kicking a game winner in a Super Bowl and the confetti's falling on you and you're, <laughs> you're the champs and nobody can say crap to you at that point. You're like, yeah, yeah I'm the man, you know. So um, I, I think there's nothing like playing in a Super Bowl, but like I said, the one that I'm the most proud of is probably the kick in the snow. Could you see the ball? go through the uprights with all the snow that night as heavy as it was or were you just kind of like it, it, it was, looking at the officials? Yeah, no, it was a crazy situation in the sense that I knew they couldn't really get a good rush because they, they just couldn't get the traction. So it wasn't about get off time, but it was about staying on the balls of your feet, making sure you don't slide and fall down or whatever and, you know, get it, get it above the line of scrimmage and get it straight. And then you still have to have 45 yards of distance in that stuff. So First two things happened. I got it above the line of scrimmage. It looked like it was going straight, but honestly, it was snowing so hard that you could kind of get the outline of the upright, but I pretty much lost the ball once it was about there, and I wasn't 100% sure until the referees kind of stood forward and raised their hands, and then I was like, oh, my God, I just made that kick. Holy <laughs> shit, I can't believe I did that thing. So uh, How terrified awesome. were you that you were going to end up on your butt um, running up to that ball? <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and that's the Ken Walters, my holder, said to me, he's like, hey, listen, I'm not going to spin the ball or anything. I'm going to leave the laces where they're at. I'm like, way to build extra confidence for me. <laughs> right, you know, yeah, yeah. Give me laces in 45 <laughs> in a snowstorm with everything on the sure, line. But sure. thank goodness it was a good snap, and he got the ball down. And, and like I said, yeah, it was, I really – it's almost like running on ice, right? You, yeah. you try to take little baby steps to get there. Yeah. I don't know how I made that kick. Yeah. I really don't. I look back at it, and at the time, I thought, yeah, it's a 50-50 shot. No, it's not. It's about a 2% if you're lucky. Yeah. But I'm, I made it the one time I had to. And, so. that, was, and that was an old Foxborough stadium. That yeah. wasn't on field yeah. turf or anything. That was old, yeah. old grass. Mud, nastiness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, – yeah, that was – like I said, that's the one. I have, I've had a handful of kicks in Buffalo and snowstorms and stuff, but yeah. nothing compares to that. I mean, I still – dream or nightmares or whatever you think about having to kick that kick again but um, i'm just happy it went through the one time it needed to for all times you watch it you ever when you watch it do you still get nervous like is it, is it gonna go in? I, I i get i get excited i get like goosebumpy and stuff yeah. i'm like oh man it's whenever you see the highlights of super bowls and obviously these weeks is when they're playing all the reruns yeah. of all that stuff sure. and i can't not watch when it comes on and like i can't just like walk through the airport and go ah, i know what happens i'm like okay i gotta watch this you know kind of thing <laughs> so it never gets old seeing it go through the uprights and you know you know what it's going to do but it's still fun to see it and we just saw harrison butker kick a really big field goal in the AFC championship game yeah. in a very cold day yeah. to send the chiefs to the super bowl uh, two questions for you what's the coldest weather you ever kicked in and uh two how did you in those big moments, how did you handle the nerves? Uh, to answer your first question, I think the coldest game that I played in um, was a divisional round against Tennessee. They came to Foxborough, yeah. and it was, I want to say with windshield, they were, they were making it, it was 17, 18 below or something. It was cold. It was yeah. miserably cold. Um, everybody's sitting on the hot seats, and we've got parkas on. You know, you flip that off quick, kick a ball in the net, then get on the field. And then, yeah, and they're holding the park open yeah. for you when you get back. You know, you kind of feel like... 
pansy ass doing yeah. that, but hey, I'm like, hey, stay warm. A, yeah, if you, stay if warm. you miss the kick, are they just gone? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they throw, the <laughs> throw it on the ground. Right. Yeah, get your own jacket, kid. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no. So, what was the second question? I, uh, I forgot. How what did you deal with the nerves in those high level? Oh yeah, moments? yeah. Uh, you know, I guess for me, I've always tried to practice like I play. I try to make practice even more difficult. So some yeah. guys shy away. Oh, it's raining out or it's snowing. I don't want to practice. I'm like. I don't want to, but I'm definitely going to go do it. I think I remember Kobe Bryant saying, you know, we practice with high intensity and in practice so so the games are easier. And I think I, I kind of felt like that was what I tried to do throughout my career too. So, you know, a lot of guys, I, I've seen other kickers and they're like, well, I never really, you know, in practice I only hit five kicks live and I never go back beyond 45. I go, what happens when you got a 55 or 58 yarder? You're like, you're, you're – you're sitting there going, oh, because you, you have no confidence in that. I go, yeah. I want it to be as hard as possible in practice. So that way, when I step on the field, I've got confidence that I know I can do it. So, yeah. uh, you know, that that's always kind of my thing. And if you if you believe and you know, then at least you just go out there and you just trust the process. You know, hey, I've done this a million times. My body, I don't even have to think about it. It's just your body takes over and does its job. And, yeah. you, you know, you have a certain swing thought or you have a certain thing that you're thinking about. Don't make it bigger than it is. You know what I mean? Can you ever get a little bit like um, on some of the easier kicks? So, like, we, we cover the Chiefs a lot here. And, and Harrison Butker is generally an extremely clutch kicker, big leg, makes these high leverage kicks all the time. And has Misses the easier one. They like the extra yeah. points. Yeah. Um, um, like what, what, what's going on there, do you think? So uh, I, I don't want to speak on his behalf, but on my behalf, I've missed a couple of short ones in my career, and I'm like, that is the most ridiculous thing. Like, you, you're just not keeping the same level of concentration. Yeah. If you know you're going out there for a long kick or the conditions are crappy, you're, you're highly focused in, and you're really you're taking all of the input and making sure that you know exactly what to do. Yeah. Yeah. The extra point or the chip shot or whatever, that you end up missing, you go out there and like this. I don't even have to think about this. I don't even have to concentrate. Right. I can just make this in my sleep, and that's what it gets you in trouble. So yeah. I think, and, and and it's human nature to do that too. Like ah, I make this a hundred out of a hundred times. I don't even have to worry about this. Right. And then you do something stupid like that, yeah. and then it kicks you back into thinking like it's not guaranteed, dummy. You got to make sure you go out there and yeah. you got to focus in and do everything the same every single time. Mm -hmm. It's like the. It's like hitting a four-foot putt for a professional. They should make that every single time, but right. they don't every time. There's there's a reason why we miss, and it's the same thing for kicking. I mean, there's a reason why we miss. Yeah. It's interesting. We talked to Nick Lowry earlier this week. Mm -hmm. He came by, and yeah. he was mentioning that he's, people don't realize how exact and how precise everything's got to be about kicking an extra point or a field goal. So, you know, you only see the ball without spin for two-tenths of a second as That's a about kicker. right, yeah, yeah. For you, who was the guy over the course of your career, obviously you played in two different places, that you trusted the most as your holder? You're like, that guy's going to get it right. I don't have to think about it. Funny story, and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll make it a little bit longer so you can. So the, the the short answer is Ken Walters. He was the holder during in New England for yep. a bunch of the Super Bowls and stuff. Um, when Pat McAfee signed, got drafted by the Colts, he comes in, and our first conversation is like, hey, man, nice to meet you. How you doing? He goes, I just want to let you know I've never held my life. My heart just went, right? I was like, great. I got a guy that's never done it ever in his life, and he's got to be a professional holder. Yeah. But to his credit, he worked his butt off. I got him a plane ticket. I flew him out to Ken, and I said, you're going to stay out there for four days. He's going to teach you everything that he knows, and you're going to – and to his credit, like, like I appreciate everything that Pat did, and he became right there as well. I mean, he became wow. a very, very, very good holder. and But he always took pride in it too, like – 
I, the first, every single day, the first training camp, all the way through, like I would throw him 150 balls and then he'd get up because oh, my knee's killing me from being on. And, all right, get up, walk it out. We're going to do it again. Yeah. But he took and he never complained. I mean, he's, oh, my knee's sore, but he never, ever complained because he, he was a perfectionist. He wanted to be good at it. He wanted to make my job easier. And then once you got a guy like that, I, I, all the trust in the world, you know, when, when you know that they're in it too. And, and Pat's a funny dude too. I mean, he was always the guy that was John with the other guy or somebody's walking through and he's throwing F-bombs at him, you know, to yeah. whatever. But then he, he always kept it light. But, but when it was time to be serious, he was serious. But uh, I would have to say Kenny was the guy that I trusted during the Super Bowl run, but I've had some good ones along the way. Now, Bill Belichick uh, said in an interview, he thinks you're the greatest kicker of all time. You agree with that assessment? I've had a lot of opportunities with some big kicks. Um, it doesn't make me the greatest, but it gives me the opportunity because you still have to make those kicks, right? Yeah. So I think I've probably had more pressure-filled situations than most of the guys that have played, and if that puts me on a different level, then okay, I'll accept that. But I know that there's a you know um, Tucker, there's there's there's. Jason Hansen, I mean, he played for Detroit. Yeah. Never yeah. played in one playoff game his entire career. He played 20 years. and right. So so point being, Jason Elam, there's there's guys out there that I think are, you just mentioned Nick Lowry, he's really good. Morton Andrews, there's really, really good kickers. Yeah. What separates this guy from the, I, I think I, I laugh because I'm always getting tagged in stuff like, oh, who's the greatest kicker? And oh, well, Vinatieri, and then these guys char back and forth. Like, yeah. can't we all get along? Like, yeah, like, does right. it really matter who's the best yeah. ever? Well, I don't, I don't, I, I think I've had more opportunities on big pressure situations than anybody else, but, and you have to make those. I mean, you, you don't make them, then they don't talk about you anymore. Or they talk about you very negatively in, on the other side. Yeah, they so, sure do. So I kind of didn't answer your question. I'm, sorry, <laughs> I'm not played, going to. It's okay. <laughs> you played with Tom Brady, you played with Peyton Manning, so you, you did okay in terms of that. Uh, yeah. A lot of extra points for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you, though, in the very beginning of Brady's career, he you know, replaces Bledsoe, hit with Molos, everybody knows the story, of course. When, when Bledsoe was ready to come back, where did you stand on that? Were you like, Drew's our guy, he should be the quarterback? Or you're like, you know what, Tommy's pretty good. We might have to roll with the kid. So that was a really, really interesting situation because Bledsoe gets out, Brady, uh, Brady comes in, does all that good stuff gets hurt in the Pittsburgh game, the, the yeah, AFC Championship. Yeah. Yep. And Bledsoe comes in and throws a strike to David Patton in the corner of the end zone. We win the game. Now there's a true controversy. It's like, who do you put in? You know, like Tom's ankle may be healthy, may not be healthy. Yeah. Pay, uh, uh, Payton, yeah. Um, Bledsoe's back and ready to rock and roll. Yeah. I, I was... I was really torn. I was like, I just don't want this to be a distraction and any dissension and any of that stuff. I'm like, I felt good. I'm like, if Brady's healthy, He's the guy. If he's not healthy, put Bledsoe in, no doubt. I, way above my pay scale. I wasn't getting to make that decision. But, you know, Brady was healthy enough. His ankle was probably not 100%, but it was close probably at the game. And and the rest is history. I mean, you go in there and do what he did, and he's the greatest of all time now. And so, um, but at that, yeah, it was like we were all looking around. All of us guys on the field and, you know, all the teammates and stuff were all like, Oh damn! What are we gonna do here? Kind yeah. of thing. So yeah. um, I don't know. I I, I probably would have. I probably would have put in Bledsoe probably just because he was the vet and he was healthy and without knowing if Tom's gonna be healthy. But Tom did such a great job. And the cool thing about that team that year, 2001, our team, everybody just stepped up. You know, Tom comes in and everybody. You know, I remember Belichick just saying, "Listen, we all just have to do our job better. Let's yeah. not put it all on Tom. Let him f manage the game." And as long as he doesn't 
screw up the game, we'll win it for him. And, and that's kind of the theme that whole year. I think I think I had five game winners that season. So it, we weren't blowing anybody out. We were just right. staying in the games and finding a way to win at the end. And I think that ultimately is the reason why we played the greatest show on turf and beat them because we believed in the process. We believed in each other, and and it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Now your your turn's coming up here pretty soon uh, to get your name on a Hall of Fame ballot. I think we all agree you're going to get in at yep. some point. Um, why do you think there aren't more kickers in the Hall of Fame, and do you think there should be? Um, it's, I don't want to say it's an underappreciated position, but we're not on a field. You know, we've got five or six plays a game, maybe a few more if we're doing a lot. It's, it's, I understand, you know, the quarterbacks of the world and stuff are, you know, are, are more important in winning and losing games than, I mean, we, we have our role for sure. But um, for the longest time, it was never a position that anybody really thought about unless we did a bad job, you know? Right. So right. Um, it's nice to have a second guy. When Morton got in, I was like, well-deserved, about time. You know, now we've got, you know, a punter in the, you know, Ray guys in and stuff like that. Yep. So hopefully there'll be a little bit more. The, the tragic part of it is only a handful of guys get to make it every year. And there's, I mean, if you look at how, and they're cutting down and making the decision. Every one of those guys that are on that list right now deserve ultimately deserve they could be you know i mean that's why they're there so right. you know until they start letting every until they start letting 15 or 20 guys in every yeah. year yeah. It, it's a hard it's a hard thing to get so just the fact that even anybody mentions it like i've got an opportunity i mean i, I feel really really honored for that to start with yeah who do you like in the game this weekend? You got the Chiefs, the Eagles. I think a lot of people feel like two best teams in the league. No um, doubt. The, 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 by far, I feel like those two teams deserve to be. And it's not like, oh, this team got lucky or somebody. They, throughout the entire season, the best two teams in football all year long. Um, you know, I, I'm going to give a slight advantage to, to Kansas City just because the, I'm going to say the Andy Reid factor, right? I mean, he's yeah. been around. He's done it so much. I think both teams have a lot of players that have played in Super Bowl, so there's both teams got plenty. Of experience. It's not like it's a it's an oddball team that nobody's been there and they're oh my god wide eyed. Like both teams know they deserve to be there. Um, selfishly, I'd like to see Nick Sirianni, who you know he was with the Colts a few yeah. years back. He's a great man. I would love to see him get a ring, but I'm I'm just kind of fanboying at this point. I really don't have any 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 horse in the race. I don't really care one way or another who wins. I just want it to be a good game. Yeah. You played in a lot of Super Bowls. Do you think experience is properly rated, overrated, underrated for teams going to the Super Bowl? I definitely think it makes a factor. I definitely you do. do. Okay. Uh, uh, overrated, I'm not sure, but I do think. I remember when when we went with the Colts the first year when they won the Super Bowl against Chicago. Yep. Dungey grabbed a handful of us guys that Booger McFarland, myself, a couple other guys that had played in Super Bowls, and said, "I want you guys to talk to the guys. I want you guys spend as much time as you want explaining the process, explaining." what the fan days are going to be about explain the media and the all the fans around and the the security and all the stuff that goes into it because yeah. if you don't know it can be overwhelming a little bit it can i mean i think for anybody you have that first week of practice and you feel like when you fly down here you're ready to play a game now you got a whole week of of a circus that happens that right. you got to sit there and manage it and deal with it and have a million questions asked every single day. And so you get to a point like, by about Wednesday, you're hoping that the game was today. And by Friday, yeah. you're like, please, can we get this game here? So it's just it's just kind of overwhelming. But the cool thing is, after the flyover and after the national anthem, it's just a football game. So yeah. 
we all we all think too much about what it is and if the team that can just focus in and say hey we're just playing another good team and if we can win ultimately the Super Bowl is the prize but we don't have to think about we got to win the Super Bowl think about beating another really good team and if you can do that yeah. then you get to have the ring so I think it is I don't know if it's overrated but it definitely is not underrated yeah gotcha. Wait, Adam and Terry, thank you so much for joining us yeah. today. On behalf of Pleasure. DiGiorno, Pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. let's hope, let's hope yeah. something hits an upright. That's, That's right. Uh, Absolutely. Free, free peach all That's the way right. around. Go yeah. visit DiGiorno'sDoinks.com. Yeah, yeah, make sure you get registered or no free pizza for you. Thank <laughs> you so right. much for coming by. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks yeah. for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. That is uh, Adam Vinatieri. Man has uh, a little bit of knowledge about the Super Bowl. Played in a bunch of them. Yeah. Won yeah. four of them. So I'd, I'd say it worked out okay. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to count up how many Hall of Famers future or present that we talk to when this whole thing is over it's gonna it's gonna take two hands <laughs> yeah. he did say though uh he said you know about half by, about wednesday or thursday you're wishing for the game to get here uh as a player that goes for the media too by the oh, way oh yeah yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> like, there's a fatigue yeah there's yeah fatigue at a point. Uh, it is a long it is a long week i mean we're happy to be here um let's check in on the chat uh, if you guys are watching, thank you so much for supporting us during our marathon stream. We're just getting started here on Radio Row. Uh, hit that like button for us on YouTube. Uh, I think, do we have a lull, a bit of a lull here before? 11.10. Oh. No, uh, so we we're got, one minute, we're going to have Adam Thielen that's right. from the he's Minnesota Vikings. He's a late addition, that's right. Really talented receiver. He's not bad. He, I want to ask him if he thinks he's going to be in Minnesota next year. He's, got, he's still signed. They're, I think they're over the cap. I think he's due a lot, a lot more than I'm going to make this year. Um, that sounds, that sounds and, you know, there's some business, some business decisions that might have to be made. You know, is that a guy that if he were to end up, would you like to see him on the Chiefs? Good nice addition. Yeah, Good nice addition yeah. for sure. Yeah, Veteran receiver had 716 yards this sure year. Hands. So he's coming in right now, perfect time. All right. What's up? Yeah, how's it going, going on? on? Welcome in. Yeah. yeah, thank you for having me. When, when did you get into Phoenix? We got in. Uh, what was it? Tuesday night late. Okay. So. Okay, well, a little warmer than Minnesota. It is. We came from Florida, so it's been nice That's there. But uh, you can get away yeah. a little bit. Yeah, but no, it's beautiful here. Played in the waste management uh, pro am yesterday and had a good time there. And how'd you it, do? Uh, good. Yeah, played well. And uh, I always love those events, especially that one. I mean, yeah. the atmosphere feels like a, a football game. So yeah. it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So. Who are you working with, and uh, why are you working with them? Yeah, Over Easy Bars, uh, Over Easy Foods, uh, they, they make a great breakfast bar. Um, it's always great to represent a company that you really believe in, right? And yeah, yeah. a healthy bar that has uh, uh, low ingredients, not very many ingredients, um, and is made out of oats and eggs, basically. Um, it's great for me, because we're always on the go with three kids, and be able to grab yeah. a bar that actually tastes good and has good texture. Yeah. Um, you can't find that. So um, when I found these bars, uh, I was all in. And uh, you know they're they're special they're a special company that's doing some big things. Awesome. I'm curious your your season this year was interesting. You guys were 13 and four. You get in the playoffs. Your offense played well. Defense had its struggles. Is what it is. Now you go into this off season. Where's your mindset at? I mean, because the team won the division going away, no problem there. The offense played very well. You had first year head coach Kevin O'Connell, who seemed to do a heck of a job. Now you go into this offseason, and do you feel like there's a lot of work to be done? Like there's maybe some minor adjustments to be made? I mean, how, how, from your perspective, where do you see it? 
Well, luckily, I, I don't get paid to make uh, the big time decisions because <laughs> I think there's going to be some uh, there's going to be a lot of tough decisions for the team to make. Uh, what I do know is that Minnesota, the Vikings organization, is set up for for some major success in the future. Um, they have an organization that has put great leadership in place uh, with a head coach, a GM that are just great people and, and they're really good at their job. Um, I can stand behind that. Um, what it's going to look like next year as a team, I have no idea, but uh, I strongly believe in the culture and, the, and, the, and what the organization is building and I think that they're going to have a lot of success moving forward. Yeah, we know uh, you're still under contract with the team, but there's some cap issues. Some of the business stuff sometimes get in the way. Do you think you're going to be there next year? Well, I'll say this. I, I know I can. Uh, I feel that I can really play at a high level still, yeah. and I can I can do the things that I've done my whole career. Um, and I can I I just really want to help a football team win games. I want to help a football team get to the championship, to the Super Bowl, and win a Super Bowl. Um, will that be in Minnesota? I hope so because I'm from Minnesota. I grew up a Vikings fan, yeah. watching Chris Carter and Randy Moss and Jake Reed and Dante Culpepper and all those guys, yeah. you know, have success. So uh, for me, I want to end my career in Minnesota. Will that happen? I don't know. Uh, I just, like I said, I know that I can still play at a high level. And if they feel that too, then I'll be there. If not, uh, I'll have to uh, try to help someone else win. But uh, like I said, I, I love Minnesota and I love the direction that they're headed. Those guys you mentioned, uh, you watched growing up, do you model your game after any of them? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So my, my whole life uh, slash career, I've always taken pieces of, uh, of different guys' games and tried to put them into my game and, and kind of and be my own player. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm still taking stuff from young guys, you know, a guy like Justin. I'm trying to see yeah. what he's doing in practice in games, and I say, okay, I, I think I can do that. I, I think I'll take that from you, and, and I'll apply that to my game. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, I remember as a kid doing the sideline catches like Chris Carter, yeah. uh, doing the moss catches in the backyard, moss and my friends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, you're always trying to do those things and emulate the great players. The important thing to note here is we have Justin Jefferson coming up in a little bit. Yep. What is he not good at? Yeah. Oh, like, wow. I, I asked yeah, Alex no, that's Smith a great, that's a great point. One about Patrick Mahomes. He said, man can't order a steak. It's a disaster. <laughs> okay. what is, everybody sees Justin Jefferson. He's incredible. What is something that he's not good at that we can give him a hard time? I got, I, got, I got something for you. He is terrible with sugar. He loves sugar. <laughs> I make him a cup of coffee uh, every morning. And he puts about 10 packets of sugar in the coffee uh, I make. I'm like, it, the coffee is supposed to be healthy. Like, don't put sugar in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's probably the only thing he's not good at is, is eating sugar. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Are, you know, that game in Buffalo this year, which was a wild game, probably the craziest of any, anybody played all year long, yeah. he made a catch on four down, which I know you know what I'm referencing. Yeah. I was watching the games. So I'm like, how the hell did he catch the ball? Like, how did, does he do those things in practice as well? Where you say, well, like, were you surprised when he made that catch, even even by NFL standards? Or were you like, well, that's Justin. I'm not, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> yeah, one of the things about Justin is is you you can't be surprised by anything. You know, I've been around him for a while now, and you know, since the moment he got into that building, that he he just makes those type of plays over and over and over and yeah. over. So at some point, it just becomes expected. Yeah. Right. You know, and and it, it's unbelievable because usually in this league. You have some success, and teams take you away, and they make it really difficult on you. For him to just continue to have enormous amount of success shows what kind of person he is, what kind of player he is, and the potential of what his career could look like. Um, he is the best football player in the NFL right now, um, and he's definitely the best receiver in the NFL right now. Um, and to be able to do that in, in year three is, is unbelievably impressive. Do you think he should win the MVP? Yes, hands down, yeah. yeah. 
for him and for you, you guys have formed a very nice tandem here the first three years of his career. And Was it a hard adjustment for you? You were two-time Pro Bowl or putting up major numbers, and you certainly still put up numbers, but Jefferson has become, even in your words, he's the best receiver in football. He is so dominant. Was it a tough adjustment going from being like, okay, I was the number one guy here. Now I'm the number two guy. Or you're like, you know what, this is great. They're going to pay all their attention to him throughout the course of the week, and now I can go one-on-one and get some different matchups. Right. How did you kind of approach that and deal with that? Well, I love it um, because just like you said, you know, it should it should we should be able to work together as a tandem, right? To have to help each other have success. You right. know, I've always said that I I I for Justin now, especially where he's at. Um, He's the number one guy, right? He should be getting more targets. He should be getting more opportunity. But I want to be able to help take some pressure off him. Sure. So, again, like I feel like I can still play at a very high level. So um, I feel that uh, me being opposite of him can only help him. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes this year that didn't happen very much. Uh, but, again, I, I, I feel like um, for me, I, I believe that he should be getting those targets. And as a competitor, yeah. you want opportunity, right? You want to be able to show what you can do. You want to help your team win. You want to be able to help your team go down and drive and score, score touchdowns, right? Um, um, but at the end of the day, you realize that when you have a guy that's as good as he is, that you need to give him the, a lot of opportunities and let him kind of go to work. And um, I'm just there to try to take some pressure off him. Switching gears a little bit, I, I was reading an article uh, this morning, actually, about your foundation. Um, just the other day, you surprised uh, uh, an eight-year-old uh, uh, kid, Devin D, with tickets to the Super Bowl. This was from uh, through the, the the Thielen Foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about the foundation and its mission? Yeah, Thielen Foundation is uh, we're, our, our whole mission is to help youth reach their full potential. Yeah. Uh, we are very passionate, my wife and I, very passionate about youth and helping them, give them resources, opportunities to reach their full potential. Uh, we feel like there's a lot of kids, there's a lot of um, people, especially in our community and in all communities, right? But in our community that we've been in Minnesota our whole lives. Yeah. Um, and so to give back to that area, there's so many kids that just don't have resources. They don't have opportunities. You go look at their schools, you go look at their, their sports um, programs. They don't have weight rooms. They don't have uh, nice um, jerseys or they don't have anything to be excited about. Right. So we want to provide these, these kids with um, excitement to be involved in sports, which we think will help them do better in school, to stay in school, finish school, and then maybe go on to um, get a college degree or go on to play a college sport that helps them get a college degree. So um, we've been doing a lot more with providing resources, opportunities, so that they are excited to be a part of a team, which we think will help them in the long run. And uh, we're very excited about. It's awesome. terrific. I, yeah. You mentioned at the top, you have three kids. How old are your kids? Yeah, we have a six, four, and one-year-old. Okay, so the one-year-old is not going to be part of this one. But the six and the four-year-old, do, do they care? The dad's a football player. Do they, are they aware of <laughs> it? Are they really into it? Do they not care at all? Yeah, I don't think they care too much. Um, uh, my six-year-old is definitely getting into it more now, but I don't think he realizes that it's, you know, the NFL and things like that. It's just dad's, that's his job. That's it's his job. it's yeah. just football. And he's extremely obsessed with football. That's all he wants to do. Uh, I picked him up from school the other day. We're driving home, and he goes, Dad, I love school, but I just want to play football. <laughs> there it comes. <laughs> it's there pretty it comes. cool to yeah. uh, see how it's impacted him. And, um, you know, like I said, he plays flag football. He's six years old, and yeah. he thinks it's the best thing ever. And yeah. uh, it's really cool. We, we know you got to get out of here. Who do you have on Sunday? Yeah, you know, uh, I've been uh, obviously a a answering this question a lot, and sure. I think that yeah. – for me, it's kind of weird because I don't like the Eagles. 
yeah. but if I I feel like they're gonna win, like they're, they're the better football team in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but who knows? I just really excited about a good game, but I'm probably cheering for the Chiefs. So a little two sided right. there. We'll take well, that. You'll get Mahomes anyway. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You get that advantage. Hey, Adam, thanks so yeah, much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Over easy. Appreciate Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. The cool thing. The cool thing about Over Easy too. Uh, with our foundation, you know, like yeah. I said about serving youth, while well, yeah. they're donating all the proceeds of online orders all the way through the Super Bowl um, to the children of fallen uh, patriots. Oh, that's great. Uh, so that's very aligned, aligned with our foundation and what we're yeah. doing. And they, they do great things like that. So yeah. really cool. That's Order fantastic. Up. Order up. Well, yeah. hey, everybody pay attention to that. That's a great cause. Yeah. Over easy breakfast bars. Make sure to get them nice and healthy. Apparently, Justin Jefferson might need a few of them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Man's going to yeah. stay away from the show. Well, uh, he yeah. puts uh, sugar on top of them, but <laughs> <laughs> we're going to give him we'll crap. Yeah, yeah, make sure you give, yeah. give him a hard time. Awesome. That's awesome. Adam, thanks, thanks so yeah, much, thank man. You guys. I really appreciate you appreciate stopping, you stopping by. by. Appreciate you. Yeah. I'm dealing with the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. I'll give us a few minutes. Oh, hey, Blake, yeah, I, hey, I let you in? I can't believe they let you <laughs> in. Yeah. My God, I thought they had your picture out front. That's awesome. We'll do. Thanks so much. I needed these. I needed these this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Thank yeah. you too, man. Let, let, let me see one of these, Vertoram. Yeah, what do we got here? Apple cinnamon? Apple I didn't have breakfast this morning. Neither did I, actually. This is exactly what I needed. We should have scheduled him earlier. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and only, only six grams of added sugar. So, yeah, Jeff, Justin Justin apparently not nearly enough sugar for him. Well, well Clay Harvey's going to be really excited about this after the, <laughs> after the whole fiasco he, with he the rock star. I was deeply concerned. I, was, oh, I yeah. thought I was going to get a text message after that. Yeah, I was, uh, I was pretty jittery last night. Well, that's I, your problem. I, I only uh, drank half of that. I was not. I went, to, uh, went out and had a nice time last night. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's not for the stream. Um, so what do you think, man? Like, we've talked to a bunch of players now. Yep. The analysts are going towards the Eagles. We've been getting more Chiefs from the players than Eagles. But so it was, we've got what? we got Vinatieri saying Chiefs. We had Dion saying the Eagles. Dion said the Eagles. We had Thielen saying the Eagles. Montana said the Chiefs. Yep. Um, we've had... Uh, Clay Harbor said the Eagles. Actually, maybe it's been more split than I realized. Boom. A little product placement, yep. baby. Yeah. I think the Eagles probably getting about a 2-1 to one vote. Seems like something like that. Maybe a little less. Maybe like 60-40. Um, which, by the way, if you look, so there's a site that I always think is fun to look at. NFL pick watch and it charts like everybody's picks of these games. Yeah, yeah. Um, last week the Chiefs got 35. Oh, look at that. This is why Richards is the, the goat. He got you the diet. Man, I mean, diet. You gotta watch your so, figure. You know what's amazing? That's right. I, I can't stop watching and it keeps growing. Um, <laughs> so, what's amazing is so last week the Chiefs were given, in, in terms of people picking them, yeah. a 35% chance to beat the Bengals. Yeah. Now, you sit there and you look at it. And the Chiefs are at 49 <laughs> percent. It's unbelievable. But of the of the people that are toward the top, the best of the uh, the best of the best, six of the top seven all picking the Chiefs. Picking the Chiefs. So I mean, I just think that the coaching it's just, element of it in Mahomes is such an advantage. Where yeah. the picks are just so split. Like it seems like nobody has a real like honest to God. Like I think this is going to happen because I yeah. do think the coaching is a significant. Uh, yeah. Significant advantage. I do. I go, all right. So we are now what? We are uh, 11 o'clock local time, right? Yeah, yeah. So there we go. So we got we got two more hours or so, maybe a little less, give or take. But yeah. uh, we got plenty of guests coming up. Yeah. So next is going to be Adam Thielen's teammate. Justin we Jefferson. We got Justin Jefferson coming yeah. on in 10 minutes. He's uh, he's working with Sleep Number. Yeah. And we're going to have to give him crap about his sugar habits. Yeah. <laughs> Might even have to give him one. He's, hey, hey, eat up. 
I tell you uh, what, I'm going to need a sleep number by the time we're done with this stream. You're not kidding. <laughs> you're not kidding. Hey, we start drinking early. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mike Golick Sr. stopping by in a yeah. half an hour. Sterling Holmes, I guess we got to let him on in yeah. 45 minutes. Yeah. And then Tony Richardson uh, at 12.15 uh, all time. So about an hour and 15 minutes from now, yeah. he'll be the last yeah. guest of the stream. So there's a... Uh, there's a lot to uh, there's a lot to get to, but we're excited about it. Great cast. People are starting to walk by with trays of food just to torture us too. By the way, you know I, that? I, they got a whole damn table. Yeah, I, they I do. They, we, uh, at some point, I, I legitimately might just walk away and walk over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, also, uh, also have a, a full blown conversation going on two feet behind. Right, my two right, right behind us. Yeah. You know. This, hey, this is the magic of radio. Wait, look, while we got a quick minute, Go if you it. want to support our podcast. You should definitely check out one of our betting partners. You can go to arrowheadaddict.com slash bets. We got a bunch of promos there. Just click the link, sign up. We'll get paid. You'll keep us in business. We can buy more of these uh, Adam Thielen bars. Um, but if you want a specific promo, I think you got to check out this BetMGM promo. You just go to BetMGM if you're in Kansas. This is for our Kansas listeners. Use the code Arrowhead, and you're going to get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if you don't win. So it's a minimum of a $10 bet required. New customers only, 21 plus, and present in Kansas. If you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas. And you can see the full terms at betmgm.com or in the description below. Betting on the big game, betting on your favorite team, it adds a little juice to it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Uh you know why not? Why not throw a, a few bucks down if you got it on you? And then uh, you know, listen, you support us at the same point because you know, listen, if we don't get a certain amount of conversions, they're going to throw me out on the street. So <laughs> right, yep, yep. Um, it That's is it. what it is. By the way, on, uh, in, in news around the sports world today, because it's the NBA trade deadline. Yeah. Kevin Durant going to the Suns late last night. Right, right. Um, so you, Darvish, uh, just agreed to a six-year contract extension with the Padres. Six years. Man's going to be forty-two at the end of that. He's thirty-seven. He is, yeah. Like, I don't, He's only a couple years younger am than I, me. Am I the only one who's floored by this? Like I, I'm not trying to just completely take a left turn on the audience. I know people are like, I don't care, but I, I saw that and immediately was like, is that a really old tweet? Uh, it is not. Now listen, he's still a good pitcher. I'm not taking it away from the man, but that's uh, that's aggressive. Yeah, I feel like yeah. that's a pretty big risk. <laughs> So that's where we are. By the um, way, uh, a, a tweet from our guy, Jordan Foote, who does uh, great work. Um, you can follow him at, at Footnoted on Twitter. Says uh, He tweeted out just a little bit ago, Isaiah Pacheco says his agent told him he's going to be the Super Bowl MVP. Well, the script's out. The script is out. What do you, what do you agent, think of these? By the way, Neil Schwartz, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Great, what do you think great. of these lunatics that think the NFL is rigged? They're, they're lunatics. They're stupid. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine honestly thinking, like, you know what? Everybody's in on it. Right. By the way, everybody involved would be going to federal prison. Like, that's the thing people miss with this. It would be an unbelievable felony because you'd be defrauding people out of millions oh of dollars. Like, lock you, you up you and throw these, away the key. You get these people who are like, you know, they just want Cincinnati to win. Yes, right. because that market is so overwhelming yeah. to the NFL. Like, the NFL it's, gives a shit. It's got to get right? the Bengals. Cracks me up to no end. Right. Um, yeah, I, I just... It's like, look, there's no reason... There's no reason to honestly think that other than the fact you can't deal with the fact that your team lost a game. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, but then, like, when their team wins a game, you never hear it. Right. Like, I've never heard one person say to me, you know what, we won because it was rigged. Yeah, yeah. Nobody. Not I, one human being alive. I, I, uh, I tweeted this out a little while ago. It was really fun. If you search for uh, NFL Golden Boy, it's the most hilarious tweet search because 
everybody. I saw. I was like, okay, because you see these tweets. Oh, they just want uh, they just want the Chiefs to win because Mahomes is the NFL's golden boy. Burrow is the NFL golden boy. If you keep searching for it, you get down there and like you'll find tweets like, yeah, Joe Flacco, the NFL's <laughs> golden boy. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, people are just deluded. You know, they just can't. But like, the NFL does not. You know how many people watch the NFL? Think they need to rig the games? Like it's, it's so weird. Yeah. It's yeah. so weird. By the way, speaking of something that could be weird, Bulls and Knicks are uh, reportedly revisiting talks on a Zach Levine trade. Okay. The uh, Knicks. They're, they're going to do something that totally screws they're me. Just, you know, they it's like to play with your emotions. They're going to the do Knicks. something absolutely heinous. Yeah. And I've I've accepted it into my life. Um. Oh God. <laughs> um. Let's go to the chat. Let's get some questions as we wait on Justin Jefferson, who I imagine is a really popular guy around here. You answer a few questions. Let me know. Yeah, yeah you're going you're gonna to eat the bar live on the air. This is incredible. Um, you have to let me know how it is. Do, like, Jefferson's going to be up for – is it tonight they're doing the NFL honors? Or is it tomorrow, this weekend? Couldn't Saturday? have Googled this and saved me the time. Uh, I got I to gotta hold the microphone. I can't Google this. All right, stuff. man. It's, uh, I, I, think, I think it's Friday night. I believe that's when it might be Friday night. Um, and I want to ask him about this. He's the lone wide receiver nominated for, for MVP. Um, geez, the last... Actually, a receiver's never won MVP in the history no. of the NFL. It's been running backs. Uh, didn't, didn't a kicker win or a punter? Kicker. kicker. Mark yeah. Mosley. <laughs> so, you know... He's not going to win. Patrick Mahomes is going to win, and I think rightfully so. Yeah. But I want to ask him this, and I want to know what you think. Do you think it's bullshit that, like, they just – why don't they just have a quarterback award, you know, that these guys can never – because, I mean, you look what he did for that team this year. What's their record if they don't have it? 500. Right. Like, I, he was absolutely incredible for them. I think it's a shame that they just have no chance to win the, win the award. That's their problem. You know what? <laughs> Listen, they can win the Offensive Player of the Year award. <laughs> You know, but if you're handing out a most valuable player, there's no possible world, in my opinion, where a receiver is more valuable right. than a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, think about it. I, I would agree with Adam Thielen. Justin Jefferson's the best receiver in the NFL. But ask yourself this. Who would, like, if you were just starting a team, I'm not saying the Chiefs, if you're just starting an NFL team, would you rather have Justin Jefferson or the ninth best quarterback in the NFL? Uh, the ninth best quarterback in the NFL? Let's I don't know, say, man. Let's say Matthew Stafford when he's healthy. I would take Justin Jefferson. Wow. I would take Justin. He is again. Look at what look at what Tyreek Hill did for Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, they went nine and eight. Yeah, but it was because of the injury. The dude, the dude. Look at just his play. The level which his play elevated with Tyreek Hill on the field. I think if I'm gonna be if I'm gonna be stuck with a middle of the road quarterback. I see Bruce Arians walking around now. Is it Bruce Arians? Where's he? Yeah. Man's yeah, on the loose. Bruce Arians. Um, hey, there's a lot of people walking. By. I just saw Mike Golick Sr., who's yep. gonna be stopping by here in a little bit. Um, interested to hear what you guys in the chat think. Would you take Justin Jefferson or Matthew Stafford if you're starting a football team? Yep. Uh, that's a really interesting and you, question. And if you don't get Stafford, then you're getting like Daniel Jones. Let's say I'm not even saying somebody awful. Doing like an average guy, mid mid mid, mid guy. table guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Lucas says quarterbacks, quarterbacks are objectively more valuable to wins and losses than wide receiver. Justin Jefferson is awesome, but Cousins is more important to the Vikings. The Vikings are also my second team. So that's interesting. I, like, I get it, but again, if you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a an award MVP that supposedly anybody can win, then other people other than quarterbacks should be able to win it. Like the fact that Cooper Cup didn't have a chance to win it the season that he had, like that's impossible. Like, what what more? Does somebody have to go for three thousand yards and seventy touchdowns. To win, to, to win over a quarterback. So I just think create a, create a category because really what the award is is best quarterback, mm-hmm. right? Like that's what the award is. Why not have a best quarterback award and then have MVP be about who was the most valuable to their team that year? And it might not necessarily be a quarterback. If you look at the Vikings, I would say that you're like, well, who was the most valuable player to the Vikings? It was Justin Jefferson. Yes, the quarterback position is important. Um, that's the way I see it. How is that? How is that cereal bar? It's it not great. a cereal bar. It's a breakfast bar. It was great. It was great. Now, what did you go with? You went apple with cinnamon. The, the apple cinnamon. Very good. Very um, good. And I'm not just saying that. I'd, I'd say if it was garbage. It's yeah, good. yeah. Michael, Michael in the chat says easier to shut down Jefferson than Patrick. I'm guessing he means Mahomes, and not me. Uh, it's definitely not easier to do anything to Justin Jefferson than it is no. me. Um, by the way, I see uh, Diana Rossini does great work at ESPN. Oh, She's yeah. tweeting out the no, – no, I don't see her. I mean, I saw oh, her earlier this week. It's earlier this week. She's over at Chiefs practice. But um, she says the, uh, the Chiefs will have the hardest practice today, and they'll be in pads. That's the second time they've practiced in pads down here. Sounds like they're getting ready for a physical football game. Yeah, I'm sitting at home. Yeah. They'll focus on third down, high-paced – Players excited to practice in the warm temperatures compared to what they were doing last week. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Um, My God. It's going to be, I mean, it's, it's just very notable. They they never practice in pads this late in the year. And they've done it twice yeah. this yeah. week. So, they, I mean, I, I would say that's definitely intentional. That is not something that they ever do. Yeah. The uh, Again, I got another tweet from, from Jordan Foote uh, from the availability today. Uh, he said, Andy Reid thinks there will be an unsung, unsung hero for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And the quote was, in this game, there's somebody that hasn't been mentioned that's going to step up. It always seems like it. Yeah. Again, because it's that one game. So maybe it's like a, an interception, right? Like maybe Legereus Sneed comes up with a big pick or, you know, Isaiah Pacheco goes off for a big run that kind of seals it. I mean, there's just so many different ways it can go. I think my money's on in this one, Unsung Hero. I'm going to go with somebody like maybe like a Jody Fortson. Okay. Like maybe somebody who they get down the red area and he catches two touchdowns, you know, yeah, everyone's yeah, trying sure, to take away Kelsey. Sure. Um, that'd be an interesting one. What about you? I know this is an unsung hero. I think, did, I think I said this like a day or two ago. Did I, did I say Mike Dana? You did. You okay. said yesterday. Yeah. I did. So I would say him, but I'll give you a different answer. And it's not so much that this guy would be unsung because he's going to be very sung if he does. Yeah. But my answer would be Orlando Brown. Okay. If he, if you said to me outside of the quarterbacks, give me the one guy more than anybody else who's got a, who, who who his performance will determine the game. Yeah. Orlando Brown's like yeah. that. Yeah. And I think it's because, right. It's because if you're going to help somebody, you're going to help Andrew Wiley. 
That's so right. that means Andrew blindside. Uh, right. He gets a strip sack and it changes the whole game. Orlando Brown is going to have to hold up on an island a lot more. He might get he might get a little help here and there, but look, man, that's why they went out and got him. You know, and I think he's done a pretty good job, particularly late in the season. Um, and I also read uh, yesterday that Andy said Mahomes can do just about everything in the playbook. So I mean, that's really good news if you're a Chiefs fan. You don't want you don't want Andy's plays to be limited because of Mahomes' ankle. Well, I mean, let's, well, here we got Justin Jefferson yeah. coming in. But let's right. be real. Let's just call a spade a spade. This is the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're gonna do whatever they got to do. Yeah, yeah. That's the way it goes. Ah. How you hey, doing, Justin? Justin? What's going on? Nice hey, Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. All I'm good. Right. So, first thing right off the bat, we just had your teammate Adam Thielen sitting there about yeah, 10 minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, my guy. We knew we had you coming up. I said, all right, listen, give me something Justin's not good at. Give me something <laughs> I said. We always see him making catches. I, I, I think I already know what he going to say. What's yeah. he going to say? Golf. No. Oh, no. He didn't say golf. He didn't no. say golf. Oh, wow. I'm he, surprised. He said you've got a significant problem with sugar, that it's out of control. <laughs> he said man makes you coffee every morning, and you're over there dumping a landfill's worth of sugar in that yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's not. He's not pleased. <laughs> he's not pleased at all. Uh, I definitely have some sugary every single day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll be eating it in his face, teasing him, uh, and he definitely be like, "All right, I'll give you about two, three more years eating that sugar, and you know, it's gonna be a problem after that." So he's getting uh, a little bit older. He's gotta start yeah. reining it back a little. Right, bit. You're still right. Young, you're still burning. That's what I'll be trying to tell him. That's what yeah. I try to tell him. I'm like, I'm still young. You know, I'm 23 years old. I got some time. You know, yeah. I'm working out every day. I'm burning it off. Yeah. It's not like it's just sitting on me. You know. Yeah. So yeah. see that's the difference. Enjoy it while you can. You run man. it off. I sit there and just eat. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I'm sitting in this right. chair. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and thank God the chair still still stands. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, man, you had an unbelievable season. Appreciate you. Yeah, Appreciate it. Appreciate I, it. I want to get into the whole year, but I actually also mentioned this to Adam. Like, your catch against Buffalo this year, yeah. it would be the catch of the year. I don't, yeah. I don't even think it's an argument. Yeah. It was insane. When that ball's in the air, in your mind, on that play, and like I, I get it. Like you got the gloves, you yeah. got all the, all the techniques. But were you like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get this one. You're like, no, I don't care. I, I'm coming down with this ball in traffic, whatever yeah. it takes. I mean, that, that definitely was the the mindset. Uh, I mean, being fourth and eighteen, um, uh, two minute warning just had hit. So you know, we were talking about the play and everything. He was like, all right. It's fourth and eighteen. We ain't got we ain't got much to call. You know, there's not much you can look on a on a play sheet and call. Right. So you know, we're just gonna have to throw this up to you. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, two minute one. I'm still thinking about it. I'm like, okay, I gotta go get it. This yeah. is it's either me or we gonna get the first down or we lead we lose this game. You know. Yeah. So uh, you know that play that play happened. Uh, the you know me running that route and seeing the ball in the air. I, I was like, this ball is mine. I gotta go get it. And then, uh, you know, as soon as that ball hit my hand and hit uh, C. Lewis's hand, uh, I mean, everything felt like it was in slow motion uh, all the way to the ground. And, uh, I mean, God was definitely with me on that play, uh, just being able to control the ball all the way to, to the ground. Is that the best catch you've ever made? It's one of the uh, in-game for sure, yeah. uh, in-game. But, uh, I mean, I definitely had some crazy catches, um, you know, in practice or, you know, uh, just catching the ball around and stuff like that. But uh, it, it's definitely one of my craziest in-game catches, especially, you know, with somebody on me uh, and, and touching the ball at that. Well, Matt mentioned you had an absolutely incredible season. You're one of the finalists for the MVP award. Yeah. The last time a non-quarterback won the MVP, AP you know it was? AP. Yep. Oh, man, I got it yeah, wrong. It, it, it was yeah, Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson. 2012. Yeah, yeah. 2012, that's right. Ran for 2,000 yeah. yards. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember that. Uh, yeah, well, so I just wanted to ask you, uh, do you 
Uh, receivers never want it. Correct. All right. Um, what do you think about that? And do you think you can be the first non-quarterback uh, or well, non-quarterbacks one? Yeah. First wide receiver to win the MVP. Um. Uh, well, on a on a first note, uh, I definitely should think uh, receivers should be more involved in the MVP award. Yeah. Uh, I mean, of course, we understand the difficulty of a quarterback position, uh, the amount of you know weight they have to go through every single game, calling yeah. the plays, you know, making the throws. You know, of course, that's a, a difficult job to go through, yeah. especially in the NFL. Yeah. But uh, I feel like without a, a main receiver, without you know a number one receiver. Uh, that quarterback wouldn't be, you know, up for the MVP award either. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I feel like if you take that number one receiver off the team, it would be very difficult for them to, you know, get those amount of yards and, uh, you know, plays for the team. So I definitely think the, the receiver should be more involved in the MVP award. What is your favorite route to run? Like if you had the line, I'm getting O'Connell says, all right, hmm. all right, Justin, what, what, what do you want, man? What do you want? Coverage is good. You can dictate it. What's the route you're like, that's what I'm running? That's a tough question. Because uh, I don't really have a favorite route. I like the whole route tree. Uh, I'm a, I, Is there a route I'm you don't a, like to run? Is there a route you're like, eh, that's, that, that's the one maybe that I, I, I'd rather stay away from or the one that I'd like to work on the most? I feel like comebacks are, are the ones that people don't really like to run as, as much. Uh, just because they're 15 yards, 15, 20 yards, and – they don't really get thrown as often. Uh, so I feel like the comebacks are, are the one route I would say uh, either I need to work on or uh, I would like, I would least like to run. Okay. okay. So they say game recognizes game. Who's your favorite wide receiver to watch play? To watch play? Yeah. Um, I mean, Devontae Adams is always my number one receiver. Uh, him, him, Odell is, is my really number ones. Uh, just because of how smooth they are, um, how easy they make it look, and uh, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm in love with Devontae Adams' releases. Uh, I feel like no one can ever touch him on his releases, and uh, his ball skills are, are outstanding. And uh, I mean, I grew up with O, so uh, going to, to the LSU games and watching him, uh, I mean, I always was a fan of him, and uh, I definitely would say that I, I mimic, I mimic my game, you know, towards him, uh, just the amount of uh looseness that he do in, in his routes uh his flexibility and uh his ability to make crazy ass uh catches <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you mentioned lsu you played on arguably the greatest offense yeah. in collegiate history yeah, yeah right <laughs> what was it like when you're going out there and you're seeing like vanderbilt like you know what we're uh we're gonna have a pretty good game today you know i think you got for people who don't know yourself you're clyde edwards alaire you had yeah. jamar chase joe burr i mean it's terrence on, marshall on. Yeah. yeah terrence marshall who's a yeah. second round peg yeah what was it like to go on the field with those guys in college and be, you know what? Probably have a pretty good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that every game, trust me. Uh, yeah. Yo, what's that, brother? Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of, uh, I mean, it was it was unbelievable to, to have those type of guys on, on our team. Uh, I mean, I, we felt like nobody in the, the whole world can really – guard us uh especially all of us at the same time uh and we felt like nobody could have a fair matchup against us you know we we was able to run the ball uh we had the best online award uh we had the blintley cough uh yep. we had the heisman winner i mean it, it just goes on and on the amount of talent that we had on that team uh and we put up what 30 something points a game so uh we knew that somebody was going to have over 100 yards in the receiver in the receiving room we knew that uh Clyde was going to have a good 
80, 90 yards. Uh, and we knew Joe was going to have a good 300, 400 yards uh, a game. So. 60 touchdown passes that year. Bro, it's unbelievable. 60 touchdown passes. I mean, me and Jamar, Jamar had 20. I had 18. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, un- that's unbelievable right there. So your, your last year there, as you mentioned, 111 catches. 1,500 yards. Yeah, yeah. 18 touchdowns, dog. Uh, all right, so we know you got to run. You got a lot. First of all, who are you working with? And yeah. uh, why are you working with them? Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm proud to be partnered up with, with Sleep Number. Uh, uh, being able to, to partner with them, having that quality sleep every single night, uh, it definitely goes to show you that, and, you know, it, it goes to show you that the, par- the performance, it, it goes to change when you're having that good quality sleep at night versus, you know, not having a good sleep at night. Uh, I was talking to one of the Sleep Number doctors probably like a week or two ago uh, about the amount of sleep that I'm having, uh, the performance that I'm having with that quality sleep. And it's definitely a difference between me having that eight hours and going to the game and killing it versus me having uh, six, five hours and uh, me not having a so good game. So uh, it goes to show you that uh, it really matters having that quality sleep each night. And uh, I'm definitely proud to partner up with Sleep Number. Fantastic. Real yeah. quick, Chiefs, Eagles. I'm going Eagles, man. Uh, I hate to say it, uh, but uh, I mean, Philly has a great overall team. Uh, their offense is outstanding. Defense is crazy. Um, I mean, it, it's hard to, to guard them, man. It's hard. It's definitely hard. All right, hey, All right Justin man. Jefferson, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate yeah. you All having me. Louisiana sugar, man. Yeah. That's right, yeah, Adam Thielen. <laughs> I'll try, man. I'll try. Adam Thielen's in it. We're going to limit that sugar. It's been, like a, it's been a Vikings car wash. We've had yeah. Hawkinson. Yeah, we've, right? had, we've had Thielen. Yeah. We've had Jefferson. Hawkinson also working with Sleep Number. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're rolling through. We're rolling yeah. right through. Uh, we got another player Speaking of rolling in. right through, yeah. got Mike Golick coming in. Mike, welcome in. Thanks for joining Gentlemen, us. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Doing well. How there. are you? No complaints at all. We're, we're kind of back to a normal setting here, you know, at Radio Row, something yeah. we've missed for a couple of years. Yeah, no sure doubt. I, I know you're working up with uh, Huddle Up, Let's Talk Obesity right. here. I, why, why are you parting with them, and, and what is the message you're kind of trying to get at? Well, listen, NFL Alumni Association, I mean, these are, these are my brothers, you know. I mean, this is, this is where I lived for so many years. And I think one of the things, is certainly from the player standpoint, I finished playing, I was about 290. And for two years after that, I got up to a very unhealthy 320. It wasn't pretty. wasn't pretty at all. Yeah. And realized I needed to get back down. And the, the one thing that I try and do is, is tell people, don't try and do this alone. You can go to huddleupobesity.org. That's the website to learn more about this. But the key thing to me was, as a player, a doctor came to me and said, how's your ankle? How's your knee? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Get away. I want to go play. So former players and, and really a lot of men, quite honestly, even outside of sports, are afraid to go to doctors. Yeah. Go to the doctor. See the doctor at least once a year. Involve other people. You know, I got my weight down because my wife helped take charge. Too many, too many people feel embarrassed by it and want to just keep it to themselves instead of the best way to deal with this is involve other people on the journey with you to try and get to a healthy weight. Yeah, I think it's probably helpful for guys to hear a a former athlete who had so much success like you talking about it in that way because, as you said, guys don't want to go to the doctor sometimes. kind of like, if I don't hear the bad news, I won't get any bad news. That's exactly right. If they they don't tell me anything's wrong, nothing's wrong. And and we lived an itinerary life. Be somewhere, when to be there, where to be there, what to wear, what are you eating. This is on the the menu. Now, all of a sudden, we have to make decisions for ourselves. And a lot of times, we make poor decisions. So it's not a diet it's a lifestyle change that you need to make. Yeah. You know, 
you played a long time in the NFL, had a very distinguished career. Your brother played in the NFL, right. and Bob. I've talked to a lot of athletes who say an athlete dies twice, right? They, they when they leave the league, yeah. that's the first one, and then of course, you know, yeah. the one we all the, share. The real the one, one, yeah. We all share, <laughs> right? the, the, how hard was it for you? And you, because you mentioned your weight balloons right. after you left. Yep. How hard is it for you to accept like? I'm, I'm still Mike Golick, but I'm not Mike Golick walking out in front of 80,000 fans. Right. You'll always think you can still play. Like, people ask me when I retired. I retired in 94, but the league retired me. Nobody called. When nobody calls, you know, nine years in the league, I'm not making 10 years because nobody's calling. Yeah. I still think I can play, but the writing on the wall is nobody wants me anymore. The key thing is... We all think we're going to play at least more, you know, rare. My situation is the norm. The walking away on your own, you know, is not. You know, most people just want to keep playing. So what do you have to do after that? Luckily, I went right to ESPN and started calling college games. So I went immediately into something that occupied my mind, that had me working for something. It's the guys that, and I wasn't ready to retire, like I said, but I was fortunate to get that job. It's players that don't and are just kind of sitting around. Now you start to wallow a little bit. Now you start to watch training camp and you say, I should still be out there. And now you might get depressed a little bit. So the key is, okay, if you're done before your time, which most of us are, you have to find that next outlet. It's not going to be as great as running out in front of 80,000, sure. but it's going to occupy your mind and give you something to do. Did you know that you wanted to get in the media after you were done playing? Or not really, quite honestly. Accident? You know, I, I had when I was doing some shows in Philly on the Randall Cunningham show, it won like a local Emmy. And because of that, ESPN was actually calling me while I was playing, and I would do some stuff for them. But... As I was playing, I never really thought about life after football, which was dumb because the best time to make your connections for players is while you're playing. As soon as you're done, you know, if you hadn't made connections to Doors Bay, unless you're a superstar. So, yeah, that that kind of was happening while I was playing. And as soon as I finished, they offered me a job right away to call college games. And then that rolled into eventually the morning show. So it it all worked out. You've had this incredible second act of your career. Um, I, I know I grew up watching you on Mike and Mike. You guys, uh, as Mike and Mike went into the Broadcasting Hall of Fame, a lot of players, uh, athletes across all sports, they get out. A lot of them try to go into broadcasting. Yes. Some of them make it and are great at it. Some of them don't. What do you think made you so successful at the second part of your, your career? That, you know, it's a, it's a, that's a great question. Now, when Greeny and I got together on the morning show, we weren't in a lot of affiliates yet. And we were completely different people, right? You know, he being the writer, me being the athlete. But what we got to do is work through a lot of the beginning. He had never done four hours of radio. I certainly had never done that before. But we worked through a lot of that stuff before anybody could really hear us, right? So we worked. So by the time we got a bigger audience, we were kind of rolling. It's a bit of a disadvantage now because there's so many outlets now, and people can start their shows. But when you do, you're going to be heard immediately by a ton of people, and you're going to get immediate feedback. That can be good, and that can be bad. There's not a lot of ramp up anymore for former athletes when they get into this business, and, and that can make it tough. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to ask. It's a completely left turn, but do you know how many interceptions you had in your career? Three. You know oh. you intercepted? Oh, psh, come on. Are you kidding? When you have three, I had 11 and a half sacks. I basically remember the quarterbacks I sacked. Yeah. I, uh, Don Majikowski, yep. and if Reggie would have blocked him, I would have scored. I ripped Reggie White after that game. God rest his soul. I said, why didn't you block the quarterback? He went to block an old lineman. I said, I can outrun an old lineman. It's the only time he didn't hit a quarterback his whole yeah, life. Uh, yeah, right, huh? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Jim Everett. Yep. 
and then uh, Troy Aikman. Yeah. And the the embarrassing thing yeah. with Troy, and we still joke about it. Troy like Troy's like when I see him when we're doing games, he's like, my mom loves you because anytime you bring up that story, you're talking about me, and she loves when you talk about me. Yeah. But I picked him off, and I'm running down the sideline. I got 20 yards at the end zone, and he literally dove in front of me. All I had to do was be half an athlete. <laughs> and jump over him, and I tripped over him. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, three interceptions, three quarterbacks. All three quarterbacks made the tackle. That's great. That's great. I, you know, I looked it up when you were walking over. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to see. Because, you know, some guys, I think it would be like, ah, I Oh, no, no, no. I believe me. I remember because when you get tackled by the quarterback, yeah. you hear about it the next day in film. I bet. I bet. Yeah. So, so, two of the three were brought down by the quarterback. The Rams made somebody else go. Yeah, it was kind of a kind of a Just pile there. I've been okay. brought down. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Were, was there – of the three, were any of them like really athletic? You're like, that was, that was a hell of a play. Or you get them falling in your hands. No, because Don Majakowski, he had nobody blocked him, so he just tripped me up. He was right there. Like I said, Troy ran over and threw himself in front of me. Credit to him. That was more my showing myself as a non-athlete and not being able to just – I could have just stepped over him. Yeah. But I tripped over him like a you fool. You ever see him nowadays and say, hey, man, what, like – All the time. Take that moment away from Oh, yeah, him. I see him all the time doing yeah. doing games. So, like I said, we talk about it. He's like, my mom loves it when you talk about yeah. it. Yeah, uh, But, oh, yeah, I say that all the time. All I had to do was step over you. And yeah. he's like, yeah, well, you know, I got the tackle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You played on those Eagles teams in yeah. the late 80s, early 90s, yeah. Buddy Ryan – some would say some of the best defenses ever. You know, Jerome right. Brown, Reggie White. Clyde Joyner, Simmons, Reggie Seth Joyner, yeah. yeah. Do you ever look back in those teams and say, why didn't we go further? Oh, yeah. Oh, all the time. And you had Randall Cutting. I know what he got hurt. One got year hurt in 91. Right? We thought yeah. 91 was going to be our year. He got hurt first game against Green Bay. Yep. But, yeah, th that was the one thing with Buddy Ryan. If you were a defensive player, you loved playing for him. Yeah. But he didn't do much on the offensive side of the ball as far as getting people. I mean, we did have Randall, Keith Jackson at tight end, Keith yeah. Byers at running back. But we needed more help on offense, and, and we didn't really get it. So, yeah, those were some years where we thought we had – we certainly thought we had the, the talent on defense to do it, but we never were able to close the deal. You did play in some playoff games. For a, an average fan out here watching that – you know, had never had the chance to play as a professional athlete at this level. Can you kind of explain to them the difference in the tempo and, and the intensity going from regular season game to the playoffs? Well, the biggest thing is you lose, you're done. Yeah. So, you know, you have 16, now 17 regular season games outside of being at the last weekend. You know you have another game. Yeah. You have another week. When you lose, it's so amazing. You get to the playoffs and you think you're going all the way. You lose the game, the next day you're packing up your locker. It's such a 180, and you know you'll never see the same players again. Your team changes every year. Yeah. That's the biggest thing is everything is on this game. You win, you keep going. You lose, you go home. So when that adds to it, all of a sudden the pressure cooker starts to pick up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of playoff games you played in, it might have been the first playoff game you were ever in was the, the Fog Bowl. Is that right? Maybe there was one before that, the wild card game before that. Yeah, but that, that was a game I played in the Fog Bowl, and uh, that was something. What was that like to be on the field? Because if you watch the well, footage of it, you can't see anything. Yeah. But then I've heard Mike Singletary talk about, he's like, you'd come off the field and you know, coach would be like, what's going on in there? At least that was his perspective of it. What was yours? So they didn't want to postpone that game. Right. So I remember being on the field, and a referee was standing in the middle of the field talking to the people upstairs saying, oh, yeah, I can see both goalposts from the 50-yard line. 
I looked at him and said, dude, what the hell are you talking about? You can't see 15 yards either way. But they didn't want to clear out the stadium and postpone it and bring it back another day. So they were going to play that game. And basically it turned out whoever was winning by the time that fog rolled in was going to win the game, and that was Chicago. Is it the craziest game you've ever played in? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I played in horrible rain, snow, the whole deal. That was the craziest. Because you're not used to that. We've all, at that level, have played in just about everything you could play in. Ice, snow, sleet, rain, every wind. But fog? I mean, (laughs) that's not one that we were really used to when it came rolling in off off the water. Well, so obviously, as a guy who played for the Eagles, are you are, are you leaning that way this Sunday? So here's the thing. Uh, because I'm calling the game for Westwood One, they're oh, yeah. the national radio partner. Yeah. It's me, Kurt Warner, Kevin Harlan, and Laura Oakman. Oh, nice. I called game Sunday night games for them all year. Yeah. So I can't really make a pick. Yeah, that would yeah. be really bad because I talk to both the teams all the time. <laughs> sure. It would be really bad to go sure. in and say, wait sure. a minute, didn't you just – pick the other team yeah yeah so i even though i spent most of my career there loved philly yeah. i am going to remain unbiased in this one. Right, well let me ask you about another team you and i are both from northeast ohio i was born in youngstown okay how do you think the cavaliers look this year how about you know that that eastern conference now brooklyn all of a sudden Kyrie and yeah. durant are both gone how about the the package durant three players four first round first rounders yeah. and a swap first round yeah. i mean Unbelievable. So the Suns went to the second best odds now right. to win the title. But what the Cavs are doing, I mean, you, you figure once LeBron left the first time they were going to go down, LeBron comes back, wins the championship, he leaves again. Yeah. When are they going to build it back up? But you got to love what they're doing right now, yeah. don't you? Yeah. I mean, and now Brooklyn's going to fall fall apart. Right, right. right? So, for grabs. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a debacle that was for yeah. an era of Man. building championship teams like either a two-headed or three-headed monster, that could have been one of the most epic failures in Brooklyn. Matt here knows all about debacles. He's a Knicks fan. I'm a Knicks fan. Oh, sorry yeah. about that. Unbelievable. You might as well be a Jet fan then, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Thank God I'm not that. I, uh, I'll tell you, though, as a Knicks fan, I do enjoy that Brooklyn now is just tanking. Oh, I'm Great. sure you That's do. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I'm sure you do. You... all 12 of their fans are devastated. Yeah, right? if, if it's not going to be good for you, you want to yes. let other people have their misery the too, right? What is the Knicks are like three games over 500 Best it's been in yeah. like 20 years. Yes, it's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Brunson, Julian Randle, we're going to get killed in the first round. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? You know, now they're, now they're apparently close to training for Zach Levine, so we'll see how things play yeah, out. Yeah, we got to, what, uh, 3 o'clock Eastern say, today, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 So that'll be, I'm yeah, sure the Knicks will panic and do something they shouldn't. Yeah. Um, why, why stop now? Uh, I'm curious. You can't make a pick, but your breakdown of the game. Um, yeah. Everybody's talked this week about Holmes and Hurts. The defensive line for the Eagles, which right. is, of course, great. 70 sacks. Do you look at this game and say the defensive line getting to Mahomes is the entire game? Like, that's going to determine who wins and loses? Or is there another matchup that you say, you know what, I don't think this is getting enough shot? Well, I mean, I, can, can the Eagles get the running game going? Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, Jalen Hurts didn't play well in the championship game. Yeah. So can they get their running game going, which includes Jalen Hurts against his Kansas City defense? Sure. How much will Chris Jones move around? We saw him move to the outside, get that last sack. Is he going to do that against the Eagles and go up against Lane Johnson? Or will he stay on the inside, bring a backer up, try and occupy Jason Kelsey, right. and let Chris Jones one-on-one with one of the guards? So I'm yeah. looking for that as well. Also looking for, yeah, we're talking about the pass rush. So what do you do with the pass rush? So is the ball going to come out quicker out of Mahomes' hands? Or can they get a running game going? Isaiah Pacheco, can he bounce one of the outside users 4-3 speed? Jared McKinnon, did anybody have this guy before the season as the running back with the most receiving touchdowns in the NFL? He had nine. Nine. So watch for him 
yeah. out of the backfield to be that quick outlet. Yeah. And, and what Kansas City does well, they will chip. They understand the great edge rushers Philly has. They'll chip with uh, running backs. They'll chip with tight ends just to slow up the rush a little bit. You know, it's interesting. One thing that nobody's talked about this week, or at least that I've seen, the Eagles have very little pre-snap motion. Right. They line up. They do not move nope. around. The Chiefs are the polar all the time. that. Yeah. Yes. The Chiefs are moving all over the place. I think in this game you're going to see as much as you've ever seen with the Chiefs because they're going to want to give eye candy to the defense, a lot of jet sweep looks, a lot of guys moving around, try to create a second of indecision, a half second. I mean, you played in the NFL for many years. A half second of indecision is the world. Do you think it will hurt Philly that they don't do a lot of that pre-snap stuff? Oh, no, no, no. No, not at all. That's just so as, as a defensive player, you understand that most of that is eye candy. Sure. Don't fall for it. Just like Peyton Manning, when he's yelling all the stuff <laughs> yeah, he's yelling, yeah. it means nothing, yeah. you know? So when these guys are doing all that motion, you, you still know, and that's where you better watch tape. There better be that film study, game plan study of, okay, they do all this garbage, block that out, blah, 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 let them do it, disguise our defense, make sure we kind of end up where we need to be, and then play disciplined football. Don't go for one of those eye candy fakes. Don't follow somebody. Play your position. Trust your teammate. It's going to be an exciting game. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what Andy Reid cooks up for the Super Bowl. He's a little bit of a mad scientist. Well, it's going to be so, it's just a weird game because, you know, they've been to the Super Bowl now three times in yeah. four years. The first time they went, they won. The second yep. time they went, they had basically me as an offensive lineman yeah. in that game. Yeah. And now that is the one thing I do think is interesting is the Chiefs' interior on the offensive line mm. is right. as good as any in football. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Wiley is, I think most people believe, the weak spot on the front. Right. And they'll probably chip there, as you mentioned, with McKinnon, with Kelsey. To me, we were talking about this earlier, Orlando Brown to me is the key to this whole game, right. one way or the other. Because they're not going to be able to help him as much. He's been better as the year has gone on, but he doesn't do as well with speed. The Eagles have guys off the edge like Reddick and Graham who can yeah. get around you because Josh Sweat. I am fascinated. To me, he is going to be the biggest X factor and, in this and game. And it's one of those things that as the game goes, you decide, right? Is he, if he's blocking well on one-on-one, -on -one, great, no help. If he's struggling, then you're going to have to bring in a chip. You're going to have to just right. do something to make him take that extra half a step to buy you an extra second there. So that's kind of a game time. Everybody would love to block one-on-one -on -one with their five linemen and never have to chip, and that's what they'll try and do. But you have to adjust along the way. Yeah, well, hey, listen, first of all, thanks so much for coming yeah. over here, Mike. Talking about huddle up, let's right. talk obesity with the NFL Alumni Association. It's such an important thing. It's such a epidemic really yes. in America, yep. people yep. dealing with this issue. Um, I think it's great you're, you're bringing awareness to it. And I want to just thank you for stopping by. Oh, yep. appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Good luck on the call. Yeah, thanks. 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 I'll have yeah. fun, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Right. thanks. Mike Wolk of Westwood yeah. One. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Uh, hey, thanks so much. Yeah. Appreciate right. you coming back. Yeah. Take care. Um, you know, I'll tell you, man. Yeah, great guy. And, I, and as somebody who, again, you know, I would get up in the mornings for, for school. I'm, I'm 39 years old. You know, Mike and Mike was on for so long. Yeah. I'd get up. Very long. Watching Mike and Mike. And uh, I would say, you know, we met a lot of really cool people out here. After Joe Montana, that was probably the most starstruck I've been. I think just because yeah. as somebody who got into the industry, I, I really knew, you know, like he said, he retired in 94. So yeah. I was, you know, like 11 years old at that point. I really knew more Mike Gold. And back then, you, you didn't get all the games you got. I grew up in Ohio. I was seeing the Browns, the Bengals. So... I really knew Mike Golick first as a as a as a media person than I did as a player. Yeah, sure. Um, and so 
you know, I learned a lot about talking about sports, watching sports with, with Mike and Mike. So pretty cool uh, interview. Definitely a highlight for me this weekend. And he had a lot of really interesting things to say. I mean, he's he's got it, man. Like, he, he knows what these two teams are doing. And I, I thought it was really interesting what he said about the pre-stat movement. And be like, you know it's eye candy. Don't fall for it. Do you think, though, with Andy Reid, sometimes, you know, it I, does mean something. I think he's largely correct. Um, again, he would know. He played in the NFL. I would say I think it matters when it's at the snap. Right. So when you have that motion across, you know, you have a guy running full speed because you have to honor that. If you don't honor that and they give the ball to that guy, you got a problem. Yeah, yeah. Like a big problem. So I think that motion matters more so than just a standard, hey, we're going to run a guy across the formation that snapped the ball two seconds later. Right, right. You know, I would say that. Uh, so we got Sterling ready, right? That's the word on the street. Our guy Sterling Holmes. All right, we're going to put our headphones in. Give us a sec. All right. Are you going to bring on uh, right, Mr. Holmes? <laughs> All right. Sterling, what's up, brother? Dude, how do how do I fault this? You've had Joe Montana, Tana, Mike Golick, Deion Sanders, how the hell am I on this same platform with these guys? It's incredible. We got to keep uh, we got to keep the, the 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 viewers out there humble, right? Like we we don't want them thinking that we're getting you know we're, the show's getting so big and we're not going to be interacting with the audience anymore. So we figured we'd throw a bum in there in the lineup. So you know they say, hey, those Arrowhead ad guys are staying grounded. Oh yeah. Well, I'm actually here to promote something as well. I'm here to promote promote Casey Company. What, what's that you're here to promote? KC Beer Company. KC Beer Co. By the way, did you hear they sold out of six packs again? Dude, dude, it's incredible. It's great beer. That's yeah. why. First, guys, how is it? Is it being down the radio row? Is it a blast or what? It is, man. It's a lot of fun. It's pretty hectic and crazy out here. Um, you know, there. I mean, just a giant, uh, a giant stick of deodorant just walked by, for example. Over there, with a, uh, the with a, Old with Spice Swagger. He's got a gold chain on. I mean, we just talked to Mike Golick Sr. Mike Golick Jr. is probably around here somewhere. Um, it's just kind of cool seeing some of these players and some of the people that you watch on TV all the time, maybe people that colleagues of ours that you've interacted with on Twitter but you've never actually met in person. Uh, I guess But the, 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 the main way I would describe it down here is it's a circus. <laughs> yes, yes. There, uh, there are a lot of people most of which I don't care for. Um, and then there are some other people that, what the hell, I guess they let them in. So, you know, got to allow them to walk around. But, yeah, most of these people are, uh, it's a fraudulent situation. So, so we, need, <laughs> we, we need some tips from you, Sterling. You're a radio guy. So you do these long marathon, you know, radio uh, stints. Verderam and I here, we're in hour three, I think. We're, we're going into, into hour three. How do you do it, man? How do you, how do you keep that stamina to uh to talk for this long get a a gatorade bottle so you have something to uh to drink and something to to use here it comes. you gotta sit there sit there for a long baby you're there a <laughs> long time no i'm kidding but just make sure, make sure you have food. make sure you have enough to drink uh enjoy enjoy it it goes much quicker than you think yeah honestly you got a great job. I'm very impressed with what you have done. You have done what you have brought. You are bringing. Uh, Verderam even wore a button-down shirt yes yesterday, which is yeah. wild. I, I didn't know he owned he owned one of those. 
Hey, yeah. wore them two days in a row, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I, not today, pal. No, not today. One sweater. One sweater. It was 39 degrees off the damn hotel. Yeah. I, so, so, Sterling, obviously, we've been talking about this game all week, every day, starting to run out of talking points. How are you feeling about the game as we get closer and closer to Sunday? Yeah, I, I'm honestly feeling good. I think it's a close game. Two, te- two teams that are strong. They both have their strengths, and sometimes their strengths line, line up with the weaknesses of other team, teams. We, we've talked much about the DV line, about the Philadelphia Eagles, but we've not acknowledged, acknowledged the offensive line enough in my mind. They've done They've done up. It's not like this Eagles defensive line line is the best ever. They're very good this season. Season, not taking anything them, but the Chiefs offensive line, offensive line, nice job pass blocking, right? Did a nice job against the Bengals. Give up, give up zero sacks. Jags, they're they're on at the right time. I I think the offensive line needs more credit for Kansas Kansas City. Yeah, I agree with you. We've talked about that a little bit. Yeah, the Eagles have this great pass rush, but the Chiefs have a really good line. By the way, I saw in the chat, Sterling, uh, Wendy. Wendy said she has a mom crush on you. Try. Congratulations. Nobody has. I, we haven't seen that about either of us, Verderan. Oh, I, I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't. I, I, I'm not even sure if my wife has a crush on me. Yeah. It <laughs> sounds. She? Sounds like your audio is a little wonky, Sterling. I'm getting. Well, apparently it's on my end. Hopefully it's better it's now. Sterling. Oh, okay. Not, not sure okay. if that was. Uh, uh, what was going on there? But I, I fixed it now, so we should be all good. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay. Yeah, they were saying that uh, Robo Sterling. It's about um, time you step up. Hey, yeah. Verderama, yeah. pal, it's not my <laughs> fault, okay? I'm not taking any shots from you. Yeah. Oh, you're going <laughs> to. Well, whether or not you accept that, that's a completely different conversation. Um, but uh, what is the uh, vibe back in Kansas City? I mean, we're down here in Phoenix. We're, uh, you know, we're slugging it out on Radio Row. What uh, what's the vibe in KC? Uh, excitement, snow, and a calm confidence is what I'm feeling. It feels like a calm confidence that surrounds a lot of the fans back here, a lot of my friends, people I've talked to. We know the Eagles are a great team, but since the Chiefs won that for, that first Super Bowl, it almost feels like a weight's been lifted. While the Chiefs have gone into a retooling season, if you will. They still got here. They have the better quarterback. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize a ankle injury to Mahomes is not the same as a shoulder injury to the other quarterback, Jalen Hurts. We've seen Jalen Hurts miss throw the ball to and miss uh, A.J. Brown multiple times since that injury. It's a calm confidence is what I'm feeling. It's funny you say that because, frankly, that's how the team feels. I mean – I've covered this is my fifth week at the Super Bowl. It's going to be a fourth game. I I can honestly say I've never seen a team so relaxed. Now, I don't know what that means. I yeah. don't know what the how it's going to play out on Sunday. I'm not saying it means they're going to win by 40 points or anything, but they're so relaxed. Like it, it almost feels like it's not a Super Bowl. But like they're just they were like that on media night. They were like that at the availability on Tuesday. I've seen other people comment on that. It's it's how I feel too. Like it's been very, it's just been very very calm poised I mean they don't they don't seem like certainly not like in a disrespectful way but just confident they just seem very confident in who they are in this game it's a business trip 
They're, they're treating this as a business trip. They had the emotional game against the Cincinnati Bengals where there was that trash talk going into it. We saw what happened post with Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey saying their piece, but it feels like they got that out of the way. Now it's time to take care of business. Yeah, I think so too, man. I Look, I don't know exactly how this game's going to go, but I've been feeling better and better about it throughout the course of the week. And one thing that I said, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, Sterling, is that I feel like if this was a regular season game and we were playing this Eagles team, I, I wouldn't be worried. I like I wouldn't be going into the game and being like, oh, geez, I don't know if the Chiefs are going to pull this one out. I feel like I'd feel pretty confident that the Chiefs are going to win maybe maybe by 10 points. <sighs> That's a little generous. I don't know about 10 points. We, we've talked about the Eagles and their lack of quarterbacks they have played, or should I say lack of elite quarterbacks they have played. But I want to get into a few numbers with you guys. Jalen Hurts was sacked 38 times on 460 dropbacks. Mahomes was sacked only 26 times on 648 dropbacks. We know the offensive line of the Eagles is very, very talented. There's no denying that. But the Chiefs have one of the better pass rushes in the NFL as well. Jalen Hurts, in my mind, this shows this stat right here. He holds under the ball long. He holds in the ball too long at times. For as good of a scrambler as he is, as good as a runner as he is, he sometimes tries too hard to make plays. But this tells me he can be got. You think this is a big Frank Clark game? Every playoff game seems to be a big Frank Clark game, man. <laughs> right. I, I, I just, honestly, I know this is like the worst analysis ever. I just feel like we're going to wake up on Monday and be like, you know what, Patrick Mahomes was great. That's yeah. it. I, I just, I think we're going to, you know, obviously like any game, like take it for example, the game we just saw them play, okay? They, they just played the Bengals and, and Mahomes threw for 326 and two touchdowns. He had his big run at the end. There were a lot of other reasons the Chiefs won that game. There were a lot of other reasons you could point to, certainly defensively in that game, because Chiefs won the game because of all these things. If the Chiefs went on Sunday night, that will certainly be true again. But I think the biggest reason is you're just going to go, yeah, man, he made like three plays nobody else could make. And that's it. And that was the difference in the game. And I, I think sometimes because we're at Super Bowl and it's the biggest game of the year – do you feel like you have to unearth this analysis that doesn't exist? Like, here's my analysis. Patrick Mahomes is really fucking good. Like, that's my analysis. Like, there, there's probably going to be two or three plays in this game where for all the world he should be sacked, he should, he should be forced into an interception, a, you know, an incompletion, and he'll complete the ball for like 15 yards in first down. And in a game like this, that is the game. Like, that yeah. is largely the game. I just think that is so underplayed because people go, yeah, well, they have Mahomes, and then there's always, like, the but. And then it's like, no, but just stop. It. They have Mahomes. <laughs> Mahomes. Like that, that's, like, how much does that outweigh anything? First of all, I don't think there's that big of a difference between these two rosters. I really don't. Secondly, let's even say there is. Mahomes drastically outweighs 90% of the differences, 95%, and the rest of the way goes to the coaching staff. I just think we're going to wake up on Monday and go, yeah, he threw for 350 and three touchdowns and had a, had a QBR of 92. That was it. It's a game. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's, it comes down to Mahomes and the coaching staff. Trey Smith mentioned the preparedness they've already had. They've already had everything implemented before they even went down to Arizona. The 
again, the feel, the, the, the quiet confidence, if you will. I think this just shows the the team and Andy Reid, they know what they're doing. They're not going to be overwhelmed. They're not panicking right now. They're not saying, oh, bleep, we're in a Super Bowl. It's, guys, we're back at the Super Bowl. We're going to take care of business. But you're right. It, it does come down to Mahomes over Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts had a fantastic season. But what is he going to be like after that shoulder injury? From what we've seen, not good. Are you still worried about – how worried are you about Mahomes' ankle? <sighs> It's not 100%. I don't think we'll see as many scrambles. I still don't think we're going to see a ton of scrambles, but he's good enough to get it done. Uh, he had one left in the tank against the Bengals. I think he'll have a few more up his sleeve, maybe especially in the second half. First half, we'll probably see him be, I don't want to say timid. I think timid is the wrong word to use, but more careful when it comes to when is he going to use his legs to pick up a first down, especially if he does not have to. You don't want to tweak something in the first half, and then it bothers you the rest of the game. I think he'll save some of those theatrics for the second half. Who is your sort of under-the-radar key player coming into this game for the Chiefs? Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., and here's why. It's going to come down to the red zone. If you want to look up the rushing numbers between the Eagles and the Chiefs, it's a very fun task to have, okay? The Eagles average 4.7 yards per carry. What are the Chiefs average? You got, you got it right. 4.7 as well, okay? So it's not like this Eagles team is just drastically better on the ground. They just run the ball more. And they're, the reason why they've been so highly touted on the ground, they're very successful in the red zone. They have 32 touchdowns on the ground, which is eight more than the second-place team, the Cowboys, in the NFL. So for me, what I'm saying is Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., they have to step up in the red zone. They have to step up on the whole field, obviously, but especially in the red zone, Stop Miles Sanders, stop Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, and Jalen Hurts. That's what it comes down to. Uh, Verderam, you talked to Josh Jacobs earlier, right, from the Raiders, yep. and he said that the, the Chiefs linebackers, what was the word, underrated? underrated. Yeah. So he said they're very underrated. He said that he feels – he also said he <laughs> – we'll, we'll post this later on, uh, on Sack and Boxing Hour Haddock. He was not happy with the, uh, with the Chiefs huddle. Uh, oh, he didn't like that? He was not pleased. Yeah. Uh, but was very complimentary to the Chiefs overall and said, listen, they're the standard. It's fun playing them because, you know, they're a great team. And, you know, he he actually he was a great interview. And he said that, you know, he said, I think defensively they're so much different than they were earlier in the year. He's like, they, they just – he's like, it was a totally different defense. And he mentioned specifically the linebackers and said they're, they're a really underrated group and, and going into this game. Sterling, do you think that – the fact that this defense had a lot of young players and has been getting better throughout the course of the season, do you think some of the national analysts are missing on just how good the Chiefs defense has gotten over the latter half of the year? 100%. 100%. It feels like the national media and the storylines have still been, it's the offense, but the defense is still holding them back. Obviously, the offense is more impactful, but the defense is no slouch. The defense has come up big multiple times. They were the ones that slowed down and stopped Joe Burrow and the Bengals' offense late in that game, right? They're the ones that came up with some big stops. That's without, by the way, Legereus Sneed, who Legereus Sneed is going to be back. They had to trust a rookie, Joshua Williams, a rookie, Jalen Watson, Watson, a rookie, Trent McDuffie, and what happened? They locked down the best receiving core in the NFL. Do you... How worried are you about Jalen Hurts and his ability to run the ball? The Chiefs didn't they didn't take on a ton of running quarterbacks this year. Obviously, they didn't get to play Lamar. They did take on Kyler Murray right here where they started the season. He can run a little bit. There was the game against Malik Willis. 
Do you think that the Chiefs might be a little bit unprepared for what Jalen Hurts brings to the table with his legs? I don't think unprepared, but I'm intrigued to see what Spagnolo does. If he uses a spy or if he says, we're not going to use a spy until Jalen Hurts decides to take off time and time again, and it's crushing us, right? If that doesn't happen, there's no reason to use a spy and take a integral part of your defense away. Whether that is Willie Gay Jr. or Nick Bolton, whoever you use, maybe it's Brian Cook. Maybe they want some more speed. But I don't think they use a spy until they absolutely need to. Verderam and I have been talking, and Verderam thinks the Spagnuolo is just going to come for him. I do. I, th- I think they're going to be very aggressive. I think they're going to say, look, you're not overwhelming us up front. We're going to take away the run. We're going to play bump and run the outside. Two high safety over the top. Beat me on contested throws underneath and in intermediate spots. I would agree. I like the game plan behind that, especially if you're very physical with your corners at the line of scrimmage with, with again, Joshua Williams being a bigger guy, uh, Legereus Sneed being a slightly bigger guy at corner, uh, McDuffie not, but obviously being a veteran in only his rookie season. It's incredible. The one spot I would say I'm worried about is if they get the ball out quick, can the linebackers keep up in coverage? Obviously, they have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, but Dallas Goddard over the middle is a very talented tight end. They do a ton of RPOs. It's going to be intriguing. you you got to be honest. You can't just always come down because it's going to make you think because of the the influence of the RPO. Yeah, I think probably Steve Spagnuolo, if Dallas Goddard puts up a bunch of numbers, he's going to live with that, right? He wants to take away A.J. Brown. He wants to take away that run. Somebody's going to eat. Um, might as well be Dallas Goddard, right? Sometimes you have to almost go into a game saying, this guy's got to have some numbers. That's okay for us. For an example, Bill Belichick was the defensive coordinator, Super Bowl 25, Giants and Bills. Bills were a touchdown favorite in the game. They had scored 44 and 51 points in the two playoff games going into that Super Bowl. The Giants were playing with a backup quarterback and a defense that outside of Lawrence Taylor did not have anybody of Hall of Fame caliber on it. Bill Belichick said to them, to win this game, Thurman Thomas must rush for 100 yards. And to hear Giants defensive players tell it, they were, they were pissed. Like, we don't, why? No, we're not going to play that way. So you, you have to trust me. We're going to play seven DBs the entire game, and we're going to punish them after they catch these passes. They held the Bills to 19 points. I mean, it was a brilliant screen. It was a, and, and by the way, it's so brilliant. That game plan is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Like, if you're Spagnolo, you might say in this game, guys, if Dallas Goddard has 100 yards, that's fine. Because we're going to limit the outside receivers. We're going to take away the run. And if Goddard has 100 and the other two guys on the outside combine for 100, we're fine. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, I think if you're the Chiefs, by the way, what I would do with Goddard, I'd put Justin Reed on him. I would mm. put Reed on him one-on-one, like and that. I'd have Cook and Thornhill up high, and I'd, I'd play it that way. I am fine with that. It's a safety in the box. At least you're not putting a corner on him. It's a better tackler, uh, bigger guy. I think that's the way I'd go if I was Spags. Sterling, we've got Tony Richardson coming up pretty soon, so I wanted to hear from you before, you know, this may be the last time we talk to you this week live. Who you got, man? What's your final score prediction? Oh, man, Chiefs 31-30. Close game. I, I think it's going to be a nail-biter, but the Chiefs are going to come out ahead in this one, 
30. I don't want to take anything away from the Eagles. They've had a great season. Howie Roseman's done a great job as a GM getting pieces in there. But Kansas City has the experience. Again, sometimes it comes down to who has the better quarterback. That is Patrick Mahomes. Where, where are you going to be watching the game? What's the plan? Oh, my crib, baby. I got pregame, halftime, postgame show. Sterling Holmes, everybody. Our co-host for the Arrowhead Addict podcast. Best mustache in Kansas City. And evidently, some of the fans, they've got mom crushes on them. Hey, it's good to be a lot. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, I think some of the guys, they got football crushes on you. I'm not sure what, what kind of crush that they got on me out there. Probably, By the way, uh, I know this is completely off topic, but uh, the NBA, it's uh, fast and furious right now. James yeah. Weissman, a former number two overall pick, traded uh, to the Pistons for Sadiq Bey, and then uh, the Warriors are getting five second-round picks for Bay from Atlanta. So essentially the Warriors traded Wiseman for five second-round picks. Um, just uh, just trying to keep up on this. There have been some other NFL – or excuse me, NBA trades that – I'm not going to get into because we we, we moonlight as an NBA podcast. That's right, you yeah. know. Well, hey, I work for the 76ers. Closely. We really have this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's uh, it's getting interesting, but uh, I'm keeping my eyes on 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 Twitter because I know that the Knicks are going to screw me somehow, <laughs> some way, somehow. They'll find they'll find a way to screw this up. Sterling, brother, we miss you. Thank you so much for joining us uh, and enjoy the game and the and the pre and post and half on Sunday. Thanks, man. Appreciate all your work you're doing down there. Thanks for having me. All right, see you, Sterling. That's Sterling Holmes. You know him. You love him. Our co-host for the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. What a great addition Sterling was to the show, by the way, when we brought him on. You know, when we started this thing, it was just me, you know, me and you. I like to make fun of him. But, yeah, uh, yeah. He's been a big addition. I got to give credit where it's due. By the way, you don't so. need the headphones anymore. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll there, take those thank for you. you. Go ahead. Um, no, he's been he's been awesome. Sterling's done a great job. Matt Connor, Adam Bass, yeah. the whole crew. Um. Look, this podcast and, and everything wouldn't be what it is without all. Yeah. So um, Sterling has been invaluable, not only for us, with this podcast, but Sag the Box. Mm. Took over once Carm just, you know, just man went into the wind. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, Sterling has been amazing. Couldn't ask anymore. By the way, Wendy came through so, with, with, a, with a nice uh, comment for me. She said, I'm the ultimate drinking buddy. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Good for you. Um, at least, she's at least half right. Um, yeah, <laughs> so yes. I am drinking. Um so, Sterling said 31-30 Chiefs. Do you think it's going to be that close? No, I don't. Uh, I put out my prediction today, um, score prediction, 31-23. 31-23. And I oh. – look, my – all right, we got a few minutes here before Tony gets here. My honest feeling on this game, taking out fandom and everything else, I think the Eagles have a slightly better roster. I do not think it's demonstrably better – because you get pe- people like to break things down by position group. Yeah. I don't do that. The Chiefs, by any metric you want to use this year, are better offensively. Period. End of story. They score more points. They gain more yards. They're better on third down. They're better in the red zone. They, they run for the same amount of yards per carry as Philly does. Mahomes is better than Hurts. Like, they are. You can talk about the offensive line all you want. The Chiefs are a be- First of all, the Chiefs have a good offensive line. Second of all, the Chiefs are a better offensive team than the Philadelphia Eagles. There is no arguing that. No arguing that. I also think, defensively, first impressions mean a lot in life. Okay? 
They do. You could be the best person in the world, but if, if, if I meet you and you're having a real shitty day, and that's my impression of you, it's going to take a lot to overcome that impression. doesn't mean it sure. can't, but it's going to take a little while because that's what your brain immediately imprints with. The Chiefs early in the year were not good defensively. Oh. And so it's, a, it's almost intrinsically thought of like, well, then they're, they're not good defensively. That, that's who they are, which is not true. At this point in the year, I won't say they're great defensively, but they are a well above average defensively. They are a very good defensive team. I think the Eagles, defensively speaking, are slightly better. I also think, though, that their way of playing defense, if they do not get home consistently, is going to get them torched in this game. Yes. If they sit in static zone coverages against Mahomes, I don't care what kind of cover, cover three, cover two, cover one, they will get absolutely smoked if they don't get to him. And if you don't think Andy Reid knows that, yeah. good luck to you. Yeah. I mean, they know what's coming. I think it's a huge advantage for the Chiefs. They know what they're going to see defensively. The Eagles aren't going to all of a sudden change. They are who they are. Right. You have no clue, if you're the Eagles, what Spagnuolo is doing in this game. Yeah. They could blitz. They could not blitz. They could sit back. Brett Coleman, who does a great job covering the league, I just saw this literally just now come across my Twitter feed. And... He tweeted out, after studying a bunch of Spags games through the years this week, specifically games against vertical passing games with multiple deep threats, Philadelphia certainly that, I have concluded that the Chiefs are probably going to blitz the ever-loving shit out of Jalen Hurts. <laughs> like, Love it. And I, that's how I feel. Jim Johnson would be proud, he says. Yeah, Jim yeah, Johnson would be yeah. proud, right. And I, so somebody, now, somebody asked him, assuming zone blitz, wouldn't want to turn my back on Hurts if I'm any of those DBs. And Coleman says, five in the pressure, palms to both sides if it's two by two, two receiver on each side, with pressure to the side of the running back. And if it's trips three by one, I would expect the same thing except the pressure comes from the weak side, likely to the back again. I can, We've talked about this all week. I completely agree with him. I think the Chiefs are just going to say, if you can throw into that, go for it. You're not going to run. We're going to blitz the hell out of Hurts in this game. Hurts has not been good against the blitz. So I just, I think styles make fights in football. Yeah. I just think it matches up well for Kansas City. It's yeah. not, look, would I be shocked if the Eagles win? No. But I think that this matches up well for the Chiefs. Whereas I thought when they played Tampa, their offensive line was so decimated. Tampa ran rough shot over them up front, and that was kind of it. And they yeah. had all that stuff going on with Britt Reed that week, which doesn't help right, either. Right, right, right. I just feel this is a game where for the Chiefs, it's a, t it's a tough task. I just think they match up with them. I think they match up in this game. And I, and I think the difference at quarterback, while I think Hurts is excellent, I think is significant. I do. I think Mahomes, is just, at this point, he's a much more polished player than Hurts. And I don't know what's going on with Hurts' shoulder either. Yeah. So I think the Chiefs win 31-23. How much, how much do you think it helps the Chiefs in that you know, obviously, they know that they got to stop Chris Jones. But the rest of that defensive line and those pass rushers in Kansas City, the Kansas City Chiefs get a lot of sacks, and it could come from anybody. It could be Mike Dana. It could be Frank Clark. They could be blitzing LeJarrius Sneed. How much of an advantage is that in, in a sense that we're like, they don't have two defensive ends where you're like, okay, you know, this guy, you stop this guy, that's where we're going to focus. But, like, 
Karloff just could get you. I mean, there's just so many guys on the Chiefs defense, and I think everybody keeps talking about how deep the Eagles are and how deep the Eagles defensive line is and totally ignoring. Maybe it's because the Eagles have some, some older veteran guys and people know their names. And people don't, people, nobody knows who Mike Dana is. Right. Nobody knows, you know, people, George Karloftis isn't really a household name yet. Do you think that that's an advantage for the Chiefs? Yeah, I, I, I don't, look, I mean, the Eagles know who these guys are. I think, I think it's been underplayed nationally how good the Chiefs are up front. I mean, Karloftis, the last half of the season, is playing to like a 14-sack pace. Right, right. I mean, it, 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 like, people treat him like, oh, yeah, he's all right. It's, no, 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 he's... He's really good. Yeah. Look, make, first of all, make no mistake. If anybody on either defense, Chris Jones is the best player on the field. Yep. Period. End of, it's not even yep. an argument. Now, Hassan Reddick's right, right top of the list after that. You know, Darius Slay is a great corner. Javon Hargrave's an excellent inside rusher. I'm, I'm not denying that the Eagles have great defensive talent. Bradbury's an excellent corner. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, a very good player. Yeah. My point is just that you would think the Chiefs had 20 sacks this year. Right. Like, right. I mean, like the Chiefs had 55 sacks. I just think, it, you know, when you really break it down, how much, it sounds like, wow, 70 to 55. <laughs> that's one extra sack a game. Yeah. But that's what that is. It's not, like, it's not like it's some, like, outrageous goal. I think the Chiefs are going to be, first of all, I just think one thing's true, too, in this game. We already talked about it. We just talked about it. I think the Chiefs are going to be relentlessly aggressive in this game. I do. I, cause I, the other part of this, too, is I think Spags is going to say, make him make one big mistake. Right. One, holds the ball, takes a sack, throws a pick. That's it. Pick I six mean, would it, be all right. Yeah, so I, I, think, I think the Chiefs are going to be wildly aggressive in yeah. this game. And yeah. maybe it burns it, but I think they're yeah. going to do that. Yeah. And we got our guest has arrived. Um, this is another exciting one. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, for you know, growing up in the 90s and getting to see this guy play ball. Um, I'm really, really excited to, uh, in just a second here, welcome Tony Richardson, uh, who's, and you mentioned uh, uh, Gardner Johnson, who our colleague, uh, Special Olympics athlete, uh, Malcolm thinks is going to be a big key player in this game as well. Yeah. Tony Richardson, who, who's about to join us, is also really active for the Special Olympics in Kansas City. Yes. Um, he's, uh, uh, he partners with them over there. I think he's involved in the punt, pass, and kick operation yes. out there which is pretty cool um and if you look if as we wait for him to to, to sit down he, he won the uh alan page award for the nfl PA. that's right yeah he's one of the big time philanthropists he's big involved time. in everything um, three-time pro bowler yeah two-time second team all pro all decade team he did okay he did all right it worked out he did all right for himself he's uh he's getting situated here um really excited 16 years in the nfl's fullback yeah, I mean, it's I, no joke. See too many of those Eleven anymore. in Kansas City, not bad, not yeah. bad at all. Yeah, um, I believe he's Ring of Honor, correct? He's got to be. Yeah. I should know that. If he's not, we gotta make a phone call. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, just just getting uh, mic'd up over here. If you've got any questions, fire them in the chat. We might be able to get one off for you. All right. Hey, Tony. Tony. How, How you doing? Doing, doing well. How are Thanks you? for joining us. Thanks yeah. for having me. What's yeah. going on? Nothing too much. When would you get to town? Uh, yeah, yesterday. It feels like uh, I've been here for about a week, but it's been one day. <laughs> yeah. 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 
So you're working with the Special Olympics? Yes, I am. here officially with them this week? Definitely. It's a great cause. Uh, why are you uh, partnering with them? What are you doing? Well, Special Olympics has always been near and dear to my heart. Um, when I was in Kansas City, I used to host the pump, pass, and kick for Special Olympics, brought it over to Minnesota, then, uh, and then uh, Adrian Peterson uh, took it over. And um, I think for me, being born in Germany, and that's the reason why we're here, because we're talking about the World Games, it's being in, Bur I mean, in uh, Berlin. Yeah. And, um, and we're excited about that. But also for me, inclusion was everything, because I was an Army brat. Uh, my dad served 32 years. I was born in Frankfurt, lived there two years, moved to El Paso, Texas for three back to Germany for three, um, Fort Knox, Kentucky for three, back to Germany for three. Got around. So I got around, but also understanding how, you know, being different, because when I came, finally came to Alabama, you got uh, African-American kids speaking German, listening yeah. to ACDC and Metallica, so I didn't quite fit in. <laughs> and I remember sure. how that felt, just like, you know, sure. being, I guess, uh, kind of an outsider. So inclusion, um, everything that Special Olympics stands for, everything that I'm about, and I'm so excited to be here today. That's fantastic. That's great stuff. I yeah. My first question I got to ask: You played 16 years. 17. Don't cheat, don't cheat my pension. Had one year with the Dallas Cowboys. Seven. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, right. that's right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it counts against Seven. the pension. So I'm, I'm uh, 17 years. <laughs> 17 years. Yep. How the hell did you play 17 years in the NFL as a fullback? Uh, you know, probably a little, uh, a little craziness. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just with my buddy uh, Max Strong, um, yeah. and he's a dear buddy of mine. We all work together. Actually, there's a lot of NFL former, NFL former players and NFL legends, and we're here on behalf of the NFL working. But you know, it's one of those things that um, I think for me, since I started so late, you know, I started growing up playing soccer. Obviously, in Germany, there was no American football, so. I think by the time I started playing American football in my 10th grade, um, it was new to me. So every single day or every, it was an opportunity. And so my first year, I was excited. My 17th year, I still had that hunger and that desire. And I think having a military uh, background, um, I never knew about giving up or quitting or always putting your best foot forward. And I was fortunate to not get injured. I don't know if this is wood, but I didn't have too many injuries, so that helped a lot. I wanted to ask you, it's such a great career in Kansas City, but I wanted to ask you about one particular date, yep. and that's December 17th, 2000. You remember that day? Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos. Yeah, on my, that's and right. my birthday. That's the day. That's, so it was on my birthday. Oh, that is your, I didn't, I, so, so you spent a lot of your career blocking for yep. a lot of other backs. How much fun was it that day? You rushed for 156 yards yep. and a touchdown on 23 carries. Um, how much fun was it to be the guy that day and yep. to have such incredible success? Well, I, you know, number one thing is I, it was my birthday, so it's memorable, but for me, my brother was in the stands. Uh, my sister served 28 years military, um, so she was back. She was in the stands, and my brother was in the, back, in the stands. And so I was able to give my brother, who really, um, outside of my dad, has probably been, I have four brothers and two sisters, but outside of my dad has probably been the most influential person in my life, and to be able to give him the game ball that, you know, because for, you know, rushing for 156 yards is great. Um, but the biggest thing is we won the game, and I was able to share with my family. And also, it's just a credit to your offensive linemen. So being a fullback, we, don't, we never, we, we don't ever want to hear our name calls. One, we got the quarterback hit or we missed the block. But that particular day was great, um, like I said, because I shared it with my family, and, and it was on my birthday. Were the other, like, you know, as a fullback, you're, you're, you're basically like an honorary offensive lineman. Definitely. Were the guys jacked up for you that day to block for you when you were getting that, that really cool opportunity? Um, you know, I kind of think so because, you know, and I used to make the offensive lineman really mad because I knew the offensive line calls, and I'd call out something, and, you know, uh, from Casey Wigman uh, to Nick Mango, they'd be like, t shut up. <laughs> and like, so, so I think they had they had fun with the fact that I, you know, that we were having success. But like I said, the biggest thing is understanding that um, – you know, the Broncos and the Chiefs have a big rivalry. The Raiders and the Chiefs have a big rivalry. And so the fact that we were able to win the game, it was probably most important. And, you know, but, they, you know, they give you a hard time because 
if an offensive lineman catch a touchdown pass, the offensive lineman they get razzed. So yeah. they were like, you know, they, they they my lineman gave me a hard time the rest of that rest of that season. Yeah. That's great. They called me a pretty boy, and I'm like nowhere where, <laughs> nowhere near a pretty boy. Yeah. You know, you blocked for a lot of great running backs. Yep. Of all the guys, is there a guy you liked blocking for the most? Maybe because of your style or the yeah. way you allowed you to set up blocks? Um, I would probably say there's two guys. Um, and great question. Number one was Priest Holmes. And uh, when Priest came, I was actually the starting tailback. And Coach Ramil said, we need to find a way to put both you guys on the field. And so I moved back to fullback. Priest was the tailback. And we spent so much time together, obviously on the field, but off the field. He'd come over to my house like every Thursday. Um, I would have running back night and we would study film. But he really, like, we taught each other, but he really taught me, like, what he was thinking from a tailback's perspective is what the offensive lineman, what the fullback, what everyone was doing. And so we were in a game. It was like it was like poetry in motion because I knew what he was thinking. He knew what I was thinking. Um, and we just had a bond. And then, you know, Adrian Peterson, he just cut a little different. Like, I used to tell AP, I'm like, I know how to get this muscle and this muscle, but how do you get that muscle? Yeah. You know, blocking for a guy like AP, and I shared a story on NFL Network the other day that we went out and rushed for, like, 396 yards. And he was like, hey, team, man, what do you want to do after the game? I was like, man, I'm going to bed. Like, where do you get this energy from? But, um, yeah. you know, having someone that gifted – um, and you know that that talent it was really, was really special. Yeah. Now the obviously in recent years the the fullback position has been kind of phased out yep. for a lot of teams. Do you see the position ever having a like a, a revival or renaissance? Would you like to see that? Yeah, I started looking at because I'm really good friends. We, we have a kind of a fullback club where we keep in contact with each other. Um, you know, Husek is I think the guy who's moving the needle right now, and he does so many great things from out of the backfield, from blocking, um, catching the ball, route running, all those kind of things. Um, Ricard, um, Baltimore, he's <laughs> he's a monster, and obviously he's getting his due. Yeah. But, you know, the thing about it now, working for NFL Legends, um, we get a chance to mentor. So I got a chance. Me and Mike Rucker were mentors for the um, Senior Bowl last week, and then we'll go to Combine. And so at the Combine, I get a chance to meet all the young running backs, all the young fullbacks. And one young man who um, I really took under my ring is Alec Ingle. So he started with the Raiders, sure. and now he's with the Dolphins, and he's laying the wood. So, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, you're, there's a few guys out there that are still, still, still doing it, and I think teams are starting to understand. I mean, we're in a passing league, and the more points you score, um, the, the higher the ratings. And so I know where we're at in that regard. But I think teams start to understand that the running game is still important as well. What was it like, you know, playing for that team where – especially I'll, I'll say the 0-3 team yeah. where – that offensive line is ridiculous. Yeah. You have two guys in the Hall of Fame. You could easily have another one in, in yep. Waters. Yep. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, Jason Dunn. It was the offensive lineman. Like <laughs> yeah, line, yeah right? no doubt. Yeah. No Jason yeah. Bit, yeah. Yeah. Was it was it almost just enjoyable to step out and go, we're, we're going to keep yeah. somebody up and down the field? Well, and that, <laughs> that's one of the great blocking units yep. of all time. You're part of it. And that, and, that's, and that was a mentality. Like, I think, I can't remember what year it was. And, some team was kind of talking trash in the preseason. And Coach Ramil said, we're going to run, the, we're going to run the, the D ball every single play. We ran a rush for eight rushing touchdowns. You, that's like taking someone's esophagus in their heart and just ripping it out their chest. So Derek Baylock had four touchdowns. Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta. Yep. And I didn't, I didn't want to bring – I didn't want to – you know, because <laughs> you, you know who the head coach was. But, yeah, you think about that, and it's like, um, you know, that kills the will. And any, t any team will tell you – when uh, you know a team is running the ball and you can't stop them, it's demoralizing. And that's just how we went into the game. It's like you have Jason Dunn out there just mauling people. Willie Rove can barely walk, but he can run. And then, yeah. you know, with you know Brian Waters and Casey Wigman and, you know, like you said, it, we had some monsters. We had some dogs on the offensive line. And so it was, it was great to go to work just because, you know, 
they made my job so easy because there was, I mean, they just dominated the three technique. Yeah. He was back there playing safety. And then by all, I just had to deal with one guy, and Priest was going to make that guy miss. And so it was, uh, it was pretty special. Do you think that was one of the best offensive lines of all time? It was up there. It was definitely up there. I was fortunate, obviously. I've been very fortunate to have some good offensive linemen. Yeah. Um, you know, even when I went to Minnesota, I mean, you got – um, you know, Steve Hutchinson, you know, who's uh, obviously a Hall of Famer. And they get to the Jets, and I got Fanica, I got Damian Woody, three, two-time Super Bowl champ. I got Nick Mangle, so DeBrickishaw Ferguson. So we've, I've had some – and then you go back to Dallas, Nate Newton, 2 and A, um, Eric Allen. I mean, uh, uh, not Eric Allen. Eric, yeah, um, Larry Allen. And you think about those offensive linemen, so I'm not going – you're not going to get me in trouble because if I say they're the best and then somebody else is going to be trying to rest me, <laughs> so I'm going to stay away from that. I hear you on that one. Yeah, it – it's interesting, you know, when you played, there were a lot of great fullbacks. Yeah. Whether you talk about yourself or Lorenzo Neal or you want to talk about Mike Allstott, who was a different guy. He was, he was running the ball. No doubt. Was there a guy when you played, you were like, and that guy, like yeah. of all of us, that's that's the guy who is the standard right yeah, now. Yeah, you know, I think for a lot of us, um, it was Larry Sinners, and it wasn't necessarily, well, obviously we're in Arizona. Yeah, I mean, I think one year he had like 120 yeah. catches, yeah. which is unheard of. Um, but I, I look at those two guys. I look at the Keith Byers. Um, you know, we used to call him Tippy because it always looked like he was running on his toes. <laughs> but then you're talking about just thump thumpers. I mean, Lorenzo Neal, uh, Max Strong, um, I mean, Sam Gash. You know, like those guys, like they used to break people's face masks. And so, you know, it's just one of those things that the, the game obviously has changed. Um, but, yeah, I always like to go back and look at some of the – you know, the guy that we never talk about because Jim Brown is obviously re re regarded as a fullback. Yeah, so sure. we always got to hang our hat on Jim Brown, the, yeah. the legend. You played in the AFC West. Yep. You talked about the Broncos and that rivalry. When you guys were in the locker room during your period in Kansas City, who did you hate the most? Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt it was the Raiders all day long. I mean, it was just that, that rivalry because it was like, we see you don't get me in trouble. We used to call the Raiders front runners. I mean, they look every yeah. guy that ran a four one four two. They were gonna go to the Raiders. Yeah. But then when you get down to the to the to the nuts and bolts of the game, they were gonna lay it down. They were gonna make some kind of stupid penalty. Um, they were gonna do something to cost them a game. Yeah. So, but yeah, the Raiders was just like I, I was sharing this story, and that's just uh, it's kind of it's not X rated, but I could share. It. We were like in Oakland. They're shaking our buses, and I got my I'm listening. I'm you know listening to gospel music before the game, and I see the sweet little old lady. She's probably two feet to the grave. She's like 103 or whatever. And I was like, oh, look at that nice old lady. Yeah. And on the bus, she was like, oh, shot me the bird. I'm like, oh, lady, no. you might not live past this game. <laughs> and your last minute, you shooting birds? I'm like, what are we doing? But that's the Raider, Raiders robbery. Yeah. Like, that's the only place I ever feared if something broke out that I'd fear for my life. Because that, like, those fans are, you know, that black hole was real. Like, yeah. that was one of those things you like, ah, we better be a little careful because they, they, Wasn't yeah, that, they might get you. did Marty say that a lot, that just wait for the Raiders to screw it up? They were, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, and we made Raider week. Everywhere you went, like you go in the cafeteria, it says Raider Week. In front of your locker, there's posters all over the place. You go to the urinal, it's Raider Week. Yeah. Like we, Raider Week, when Marty was just show like the old films of the Chiefs Raiders yeah. and just how to like the battles and like guys getting their face masks ripped off and blood everywhere. Yeah. And we would get so hyped for that game. And I think, I think I only lost. And sadly enough, we let Rich Gannon go to the Raiders. And that was the only time I think we've ever lost when Rich Gannon was with the uh, – he's a dear friend of mine, but I didn't like to see him in that black and silver. Yeah. I, I got to ask you about Marty. He was a yeah. guy who was your coach for many years yeah, in for Kansas sure. City yeah. before, he, before he went on and, yeah. and got the cutting after COVID. He recently passed away. Yeah. Uh, what was he like? Unfortunately, both of them passed away. I know. I know. Yeah. God yeah. rest his soul. Yeah. What was it like having Marty as a head coach? Yeah. And, you know, running, running style of head yeah. coach. Certainly you got your opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
know, what kind of man was he? And do you have any stories that stick out in your mind about him? Yeah, you know, Marty reminded me a lot of my dad. Um, and he was of German descent. Obviously, yep. we're talking about Special Olympics and having the, special, the World Games in, in, Ber in Berlin. But it was one of those things, like, the way my dad raised us, it was extremely strict. But as long as you did what you were supposed to do, there was no problems. And that was the thing I loved about Marty. There was no gray area. You know, if he said, this is what I need you to do to make the team, special teams and short yards and fullback, short yards and goal line, I did it. And so he was the one who really gave me my opportunity. And it was a tough, it was a crowded backfield because uh, the Chiefs had just drafted uh, Donnell Bennett out of Miami in the second round. We had Greg Hill. We had um, um, Marcus Allen. Kimball Anders, a pro bowler who was my man. So we had a loaded backfield, and we kind of had to find our, our, our roles. And the fact that Marty kept everything on the table, um, he was one of, I mean, you know, it, just the fact that he's not here no more. But I still had a piece of him because Brian Schottenheimer was my coordinator, his son, who I used to go watch play. And I'm like, you can't tell me what to do, Shotty. I'm older than you. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, we, we, I'm still really close to the family. And, um, you know, I, I, I miss Marty every day. Before you go, tell us a little bit more about Special Olympics, yeah. what's going on in Germany for, for folks at home who might not. Yes, we're so excited. The World Games are back. Um, we have uh, athletes from 190 countries, and it's in Berlin. So I got to start working on my German again. At yeah. one time, I was fluent. So I think I'm going to hire a German tutor and just get back to my roots. But I'm um, sure. looking forward to it. And like I said, Special Olympics is all about inclusion, opportunity. And that's the thing. When I used to host a pump, pass, and kick in Special Olympics, you know, initially, like some of the guys would come out and they would be like, my teammates would be nervous because we do it right after practice. Yeah. And then about 10 minutes in, the kid, the, the, I mean, the kids are having a blast and the adults are having a blast. But then to see my teammates like just have so much fun out there and understand like it's all about inclusion and, and never try to judge someone because I hate using the word disabilities. Sure. I'm going to focus on abilities. And so it's just, it's just amazing. And I think Special Olympics is, is near and dear to my heart. And I'm so excited to be up here, be here to talk about it today. Fantastic. Last question for you. Yes. Chiefs and the Eagles, Super Bowl 57. They're, Obviously, I know you're a little They're both playing today. today. I mean, they're both playing, so I'm not I'm not yeah. into predictions because uh, I'm a quiet Eagles fan. I can't say that loud because, um, you know, I might get chewed up by my chief. But, you know, I love the Philly, I love the city of Philadelphia because it's, it's hard-nosed. It's kind of how I was raised. It's like, yeah. you know, there's no shortcuts. Um, not saying that it's, it's like, you know, all peaches and roses in Kansas City. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pulling for the Chiefs, but either team wins, I'm going to be pretty happy. So I'm not going to do predictions. <laughs> Let's end it on this. Yeah. What would it have been like playing with Patrick Mahomes? I don't know if I'd touch the field because I, I can't play tight end <laughs> and run a route. That's true. <laughs> They're running these RPOs. So it would have been an easy job. Yeah, I, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made the roster. No, I don't know. It's, um, no, I mean, it's, I mean, it's amazing what a quarterback can do. I mean, you look at um, the Jets, and it's like that's the position that they're missing right now as yep. a quarterback. Yep. And every time I mean, you think about the number of AFC championship games or, that they've been in since Patrick Mahomes, yeah. and so it's something said to have a, have a great quarterback. And I'm so happy for you know the Chiefs um, kingdom because you know having a young man who really took a 10 year deal to be able to make sure that all the other guys can get paid and he'll get his money when he gets his money. But I'm so excited that um, you know to have Patrick Mahomes. So I will say this, and Patrick Mahomes will be the MVP. Okay. Yeah. So that's right. a, that's a prediction. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. There you go. And thank you right. so much for stopping thank by. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys. Really yeah. appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Have a good one. Take thank care, you. Man. Yeah. All right, Tony Richardson, member of the Chiefs Hall of Fame and well deserved. Um, we are wrapping up here. Yeah. On, uh, on the stream, we've been. <laughs> Can on you believe? For, do you want to go for another hour? Let's no. go for another hour. <laughs> not we we'll go for another hour at the bar. The bar is an entirely different story. Let's not roll that out. Yeah. Yeah. that was it. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much. Appreciate you Tony. Um, you know, I, again, I can't say enough. Just look up Tony's history of philanthropy, not just what he does with the Special Olympics. It's absolutely incredible. Um, uh, as we're getting spammed 
pretty badly in the chat. Hey. <laughs> Producer Richard, the bots have arrived. Um, all right, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and throw out my prediction for this one. I haven't done it yet. I think the Chiefs are gonna win this one, 30 to 20. And I know Sterling said me going 10 points was generous, but I think it's gonna be a little bit. I, I, I think it's gonna be a little bit like that San Francisco Super Bowl where it's close for a while, and then the Chiefs kind of blow it open in the fourth quarter, end up winning by 10. And I'm okay. with you. I just think that uh, I think the Chiefs are gonna be all over uh, this Eagles offense. On defense, with Steve Spagnuolo, I think he's going to cook up enough to slow them down for long enough, just like he did to Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Bro, if, to it, give the if Chiefs it's like that 49ers game, I'm going to be in arrhythmia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but I, th I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah. I, do. yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's going to be like some late score. I, mean, I think it's going to be a good game. I yeah. think it'll be a game that with five minutes left, everybody's heart's going to be in their throats, and that's what the Super Bowl's about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, special shout out to all of you who have been watching us for the last three hours. From Deion Sanders to Tony Richardson, you guys have been awesome. Before we get out of here, just a couple pieces of business. Make sure you hit that like button if you're watching on YouTube. If you listen to the audio version of this podcast, make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review over there. I believe we're going to be back tomorrow, tomorrow morning, for a little, little something with uh, Tony Gonzalez. It's like, a, Tony. it's like a threat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah well, but, yes, we will be. we got plenty going on. Yeah. Can't wait to be back. That'll be our last show from Radio Raw. Yeah, that'll be it. And then it's on to the game. Last thing here, why don't you check out Caesars, our partner. If you're in Kansas, we've got a great offer. Caesars, just use the code Arrowful. It's a great way to support the, the podcast. That's A-R-R-O-W-F-U-L-L -L is the code. You get your first bet on Caesars up to... $1,250. That's a minimum of a $10 wager required. You must register with eligible promo code. New customers only 21 plus and present in Kansas. If you have a gambling problem, call or text 1-800-522-4700 on Kansas. You can see the full terms at caesars.com slash sportsbook and casino or in the description below. Our longest podcast since maybe the live show for the Chargers game. Yes. Yeah. yeah I don't think there's any question. Yeah. Uh, it was a good one, a lot of fun. Legends, Hall of Famers coming through. Thank you to all of our guests for today. Thank you to Producer Richard, Producer Hunter, Producer Sean, everybody who helped us out make this happen on Radio Row. Make sure you check us out tomorrow morning at the Arrowhead Attic YouTube channel for more from Radio Row. Until then, for Sterling Holmes, for Matt Verderam, my name is Patrick Allen. We're going to the bar, but until later, go Chiefs. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.